0: My father, the Padishah Emperor, took me by the hand one day, and I sensed in the ways my mother had taught me that he was disturbed. He led me down the Hall of Portraits to the ego-likeness of the Duke Leto Atreides. I marked the strong resemblance between them, my father and the man in this portrait, both with thin, elegant faces and sharp features dominated by cold eyes. Princess Daughter, my father said. I would that you'd been older when it came time for this man to choose a woman. My father was seventy-one at the time, and looking no older than the man in the portrait, and I was but fourteen. Yet I remember deducing in that instant that my father secretly wished the duke had been his son, and disliked the political necessities that made them enemies. In My Father's House by the Princess Irulan World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. With each chapter, we'll open a new bottle of wine and have a bit of a buzzed book club here. Derek, we have a special bottle of wine today, don't we? Yeah, you told me you were picking this. Someone uh, recommended one for us. That's true. And we picked it up. You want to go ahead and uh, introduce? Yeah, our are, are number one fan or number one new wine. Number one, <laughs> you know, Ele- elevating <laughs> both of them uh, immediately. Someone who was prepared would have had this up on their phone already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, here we go. So this was by uh, still many still Nicole on Twitter. Uh, thank thank you, you very much, Nicole. Yeah, thank you. Um, they recommended this wine, which is Saint Emilion, and honestly, there's not a lot that I can really. Yeah, and we we couldn't find the exact wine uh, that was recommended. We did get one from the same region, though, so we yeah. hope uh, you can appreciate our approximation. We we did our best. There's no real uh, tasting notes on the back. Mm, it's got sulfates. We did open it though. We can, we've tasted it. Yeah, this I is... made a little notation myself, Mike. This is oh, so delicious. It is really dry. You, you had a description when you first opened it. it. What it, was it? it? It's like walking down a desolate road, and there's nothing there, and then all of a sudden there's a fruit tree at the end, and it is fantastic. A date uh, palm, if you A will. date palm, if you will, <laughs> uh, right at the end. And some people looking at it hopeful, Mike. Uh, but no, it's just like uh, this kind of, it's dry, it seems like there's nothing there, and then this uh, flavor kind of erupts in the back of your mouth. And it, it is fantastic. So yeah, it's great. Am, uh, go ahead and recommend anyone anything from the St. Emily Island region. Uh, so, yeah, we do listen to you guys. Send us more wine recommendations in our price range. We have a special one, though, that we, we're keeping an eye on, though, for our first taste of spice. For, for, uh, for a specific taste of the spice. Yes. Uh, for the people who have read it before, when Paul takes that first taste of liquid spice, that's what, that's what I'm banking on. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna so, be good. We'll have that one for you guys. Uh, um, in the meantime, Mike, we are back in business here. Yeah, I'm back from chapter fourteen. So on chapter fourteen, what happened? We had, uh, oh, we had sort of a weird one on one with uh, Leto and Paul. Yeah, Leto and Paul. It was a dark, dark convo. I mean, it was. It's been a hard day, and we yeah, saw I forgot the of it. Well, no, it's, the, it. morning now. it's the, the morning though. It's the morning. <laughs> Twilight has <is> come. <laughs> I'm assuming one of us has slept. <laughs> <laughs> and it was maybe Paul. It might be Paul. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah, uh, we saw the Duke kind of unravel solely over two yeah, chapters. Yeah, like I felt a little odd and uncomfortable reading it. I'm sure Paul did too. Like <laughs> you should rest. Like, oh yeah, constantly yeah. telling his dad like, oh, "Just take five, man." So we've watched that kind of wrap up, and now we are moving along, and we're finally hitting the sands. Uh, if you recall, yeah. the last line of fourteen was where, a, a bit of a, a kind of a lame, but just like, "Where's where's that ecologist?" Where's, I told <laughs> where, him to be here where early. Is he? Oh, I know where he is. Oh? Yeah. Do you see him? No. (laughs) He's got the glasses. No, it's way too early for that. (laughs) Wait wait a minute. But uh, no, he's been interrogated right now. Yeah. Sort of. He's going to be interrogated. Yeah. yeah, Presumably uh, simultaneously before. 14. Yeah. Yeah, When I say interrogated, I mean more like questioned profusely, less chained to a chair and beaten up. (laughs) (laughs) Beaten up by the old 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 wrinkly owl. (laughs) Yeah. Old wrinkly owl. Yeah. So that was was quite the lead up. I'm, I'm glad we're getting where we are. For right now, let's take a little sidestep and look at our, our quotation. Yeah. So I told you last week we were moving into a bit of a an accounting error on Frank's part for the age of yeah. Shaddam. So I had, a, I had a question here because this quote takes place, I assume, when Irulan's younger. But here's the thing. I don't actually know how old Princess Irulan is. Mm-hmm. Could you shed some light on that maybe? With the recent math I just did? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't tell you why. <laughs> no. So that quote there tells you that her dad's, when he was 71, she was 14. If you go to the appendix in the back of the book, which also, another side note for ages, I found Jessica's age embarrassingly in the back of the book. Oh, wait, the, not the encyclopedia? The regular? Uh, yeah, and so the encyclopedia <laughs> skips <laughs> oh, no. it. Normally they would duplicate that, which infuriates me endlessly, so I never looked. In the back, got Jessica's age right in there. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Do we, you know where it is? Um, appendices. Yeah, it's like uh, the sec- yeah. second appendices, and uh, it just gives you a quick list of the major characters and has come age blocks for them. So we see like Shaddam, Lido, Jessica, and it goes on. But so since it has a year for Jessica, uh, we were off by one year, though. So the math we did, which I think was cooler and uh, involved a lot of things, like when Paul was born, her time at school, and the Lady Margot. uh, It's nice to know that we got that within our threshold. We decided between 30, what was it, 36? and 38 or 34 and 38 and we landed on 36 and uh she's actually 37 years old really yeah so that was just a small little jessica thing i'm so sorry i missed that i took it definitely like i had already known and didn't even check the back of the book that was very uh <laughs> so overconfident that's in. awesome so back to our accounting error here okay so she's saying she's 70 or her dad was 71 when she was 14 right the back of the book says shadam only lived to 68 so, somebody would have had a weekend at Bernie's for three years <laughs> <laughs> to get to this point. And then he just died a mysterious and then, he, then he dies again. A mysterious <laughs> second death. Um, so, she could be, it's a difference of three years. She could be 11 right now. Maybe. I, I don't know. So, then that wasn't even the uh, age error I was actually thinking of. There's Which, another one in this book. Oh. Where Shaddam's age is referenced again, and it doesn't add up. And then in looking online, to like I was trying to validate what I was investigating, there's another problem. And this one brings <laughs> us back to the first quote, where it says the 57th year of a Padishah emperor. Remember we're placing Muad'Dib and his right. time in his place? All right. So if you take Shaddam's birthday in the back of the book, it's 101.34. Okay. All right. If you add 57 years to that, you get the current year, 101.91. Right. Okay, and that makes sense that right? Paul would be born in the fifty oh, seventh no. year. Paul's fifteen. No, it doesn't. Wait, it doesn't say he was born in the fifty seventh year. It does. Wait, back say. Oh no! So, what? And then it gets even cooler, Mike. So they do fix this in uh, Brian Herbert's extended Dune universe. So like, that's oh. not the one we're looking at, but just as a macro kind of view on this. The way they uh, go back and fix this error is they say Shaddam's birth date was just wrong. And they just make Shaddam 15 years older. And like, eh, that's a good workaround.
1: What the- I think
0: hold, the cool <laughs> one that came to my mind is what if you just need to reinterpret the word born in that sentence? Oh. Because remember, we're also saying this is Moadib, and we're saying his place is Arrakis, not Kaladan. And this is him so being born. born with the Gamjabar. And like, so maybe you can make that kind of a thrust okay. of like, you know, he wasn't human until this year. That's actually really cool. I think it's cool. But also like, you know, I'm greasing the wheels a little bit to <laughs> get by him the here. benefit of the
1: doubt. Yeah. Or
0: maybe maybe Shaddam is self-conscious. Maybe he just lies about his age. <laughs> Could be too. <laughs> so then that's that's the third thing we get to yeah. is uh, so Irulan is our historian. And mm-hmm. invariably, I think Frank Frank has uh, hit home that, you know, like the histories can be wrong. The histories can be manipulated. There's a myriad reasons that things could change or lead to one or another. Mm-hmm. And these t- two history chronicles could be, you know, done at different times by different people with different source materials, so to speak. Right. So, yeah, there, there's a number of things in universe that we can use to like sort of rationalize it out. But on its face, I think there's just some bad math in this book. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. It's it's just all, and it's all with Shaddam, yeah. the emperor of the known universe. <laughs> and then is hilarious that he would have messed up the first fact in the book in the first quote right. which tells you to take care in the beginning. The main sure thing that all be the be are right. <laughs> so, that was my little side thing and it, otherwise you think maybe it wasn't supposed to be a quote. It was just a uh, a post-it note he wrote to himself like reminder, make sure everything <laughs> he, is aligned and correct. Like, yeah, yeah. But he he just submitted that. Yeah, uh, submitted it in there. Oh no. <laughs> Otherwise, I think this quote is pretty dead on that Shadam likes the Duke. Yeah, he likes the Duke a lot. You know, we've really hit that forward or home with uh, a bunch of our encyclopedia knowledge. So, my, especially my, the time with El Muerte when, the, <laughs> when well, when the Shaddam <laughs> brought him over, and that's all he wanted to talk about was like, we got to right. talk to the Carita. I knew El Muerte was going to make another cameo in oh, this podcast I'm not done yet, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess I was just curious. I guess yeah, we don't really know because of the math, but assuming that math was somewhat accurate. What age do you think Princess Erlong is currently? So definitely uh, contemporary with Paul. I've always just assumed she was a a little older. Just looking at like that one estimate, putting her younger than or, you know, putting her at 14 when her dad was 71. I think the other thing said like her dad, you know, in his 80s, but looked in his 30s. I don't remember where I'm inferring that from. So I'm going to say like, yeah, probably right around 12 to 14. Okay, maybe yeah, would be the age I put her at. Something young, younger than Paul is kind of where I'm landing. Yeah, I guess I was just curious if her father's reaction, like looking at the painting and her deduction, is happening currently. Yeah, actually, if these numbers, uh, it seems like it might have even been after the fact. Maybe. Uh yeah yeah I'm thinking I'm thinking like oh in fifty seventh yeah either. I'm telling you like this could be post Eric King crisis this ah. could be happening and that would be very interesting too the last little bit is that this book is Irulan writing about herself yeah it's in, uh, my, in my father's house in my father's house a new book mm-hmm. and but but I'm saying specifically it's kind of like an autobiography either about her if not about Shaddam mm-hmm. but clearly from her perspective and is a little that's more really cool I like that um, so I think it also kind of elevates what her position would be in the world where like somebody would consider that valuable or it's at least worthwhile for her to write this down, her perspective. I love how it's princess daughter. Like, would there also be yeah. prince son? Would there be potty shot emperor dad? Yeah, I mean, it might be... Um, I don't know if it's just that thing. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well, like, one of the distinctions the British royal family has is, like, Princess Royal is separate from princess. Oh. Like, Princess Royal is the one who is the heir. Oh, I didn't know that. So it's usually, like, the oldest daughter would be always referred. To. So, like, um, I think we had... I think it was Princess Royal Anne before... I'm um, not really following the royals <laughs> Uh But that was cool So maybe that was Like a designation Because I think she is The like daughter Earmark for the throne Uh Erlon? She- yeah, th- yeah I think you might be right Right Like I She has some other sisters But I'm pretty sure It's her who's like Next up So I wonder mm. if that's Like a designation But yeah Maybe he's just That formal too And it's kind of A cold house um. <laughs> Princess daughter oh. just so i don't forget um, yeah do you have anything else from that quote um, stand out for you. yeah but i think maybe we should talk about the chapter first because i think it has to do more about uh, aligning the context of the chapter with this awesome all right yeah and uh, it's a big chapter derek it is okay, we got some stuff to go yeah through. we got a lot to go and it opens so strong because we're gonna go into the head of a character we haven't gone to the head <gasps> yet a character we've never even met kynes. yet dr kynes dr kynes and he he's showing up he's not he's not early <laughs> so he's showing up fashionably late <laughs> yeah but like you said he's been interrogated all night long so yeah. uh he is not in the best mood no no and his i guess what did you expect going in what was the perspective you wanted to see or you thought you were going to see i okay here's the thing i thought he was going to be very uh very much like yui a little very bookish very bookish sort of a little bit more uh reserved and you know what, i guess to maybe a little bit of a point, his outward appearance, he tries to betray that a little bit.
1: Okay. Uh, I,
0: I mixed More on than that. what he really is, because sure. I think his internal thoughts are a lot powerful. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely wearing a bit of a mask. Yeah, I, uh, I, I just don't know if I get like weakness out of it or like the bookish. but I, I get what you're saying. Where you're covering. Comfort- like, right. He's hiding something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's not at all what we get. Right away, this man is sort of walking up with this air of, I'm going to say bravura. Yeah. Uh, You know, kind of very much in the Duke's shoes. And we're finding he has like a kind of a Bene Gesserit view on religion as he's getting here. Because um, gonna... he, he's a scientist. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, there's a lot more to it. That is, Uh. I think that is the fundamental way he looks at the world. Yeah. Yes. But there's also just an awareness of him. So he is kind of without telling you too much about his backstory, but like half outsider, half insider. His father wasn't from it. His father was from like the Imperium. OK, yeah. And, and oh, his mother was that friend. was. Uh, oh, what was his name? Yeah, it has been in the book. I've told you. It. Pardot. Pardot. Yeah. Pardot. Kynes. See, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> he's not come up at all yet.
0: <laughs> Pardot Kynes this is his old man. So I think uh, it puts Kynes in a unique view where he's like really ingrained in sort of like this traditional culture, but sees it through like the almost aristocracy eyes of the Imperium, where like they're all very cynical people you know it's like the Duke and these people were who were right. at controlling populations and this and that so it's just interesting we're going to see him uh, grappling with a prophecy as he goes this uh, first paragraph here too I think is interesting this is almost like a quick flashback mm-hmm. where it says his first encounter left him shaken also it says first encounter with the people he'd been ordered to betray left him shaken Ooh. so we know he's being told to do something right now he by, does not like the position he's been put in by the Emperor mm-hmm. I assume yes but it's not the order to betray them that's got him shaken no it's uh his interaction with paul specifically and that's because it does say he's a scientist he prided himself on being a scientist to whom legends were merely interesting clues pointing towards cultural roots i totally dig that yeah, I understand that. Like It's like they're just cultural clues. They let you kind of determine like how what this religion would grow out of it because of these factors. But uh, I think this chapter will uh, show us as we go into it a little bit more. There's a lot to this prophecy. It's not just a simple sentence. Apparently, there's no. a lot to it. We have, uh, I mean, a couple of the things that come up early on. as uh, like him recalling it. And yet the boy, uh, he fit the ancient prophecy so precisely. Precisely. That's... The, the questing eyes and the air of reserved candor. And uh, then, I like, the prophecy, uh, it leaves certain latitude as to whether the Mother Godness would bring the Messiah with her or produce him on the scene. So that was, uh, I mentioned that, I think, last chapter. Yeah, you did. A little thing for it. So that's where that kind of comes from and uh that is a huge one i think that puts a uh, like making paul a possibility here and mm-hmm. that that i like that the ben hessert leave the option because remember before i told you um one of their big thing is protecting a pregnant woman right and that little thing is like cool if there is a pregnant woman even more so protect her right super important still there was this odd correspondence between predictions and persons although he can't like rationalize it out it's yeah, like in- stuck th- in there it's uh and that's why i like that uh, it left him shaken it mm-hmm. reminds me of uh the moment we had with mapes and jessica yeah and- where uh, mapes says like oh what was it she said uh i'm sorry but when one's lived with prophecy for so long the moment of uh revelation revelation is a shock mm-hmm. and uh, i think that's sort of uh, dr kynes's view right now yeah after this entire chapter and not like willing to accept it exactly (laughs) for the longest time that's how he felt after this encounter let's start with how he felt at the beginning of this encounter beginning at mid-morning we're at the administration building on the landing field Mm -hmm. i think it's good to note that it's still day two on arrakis have not gone that far. No. I mean, we were waiting. We couldn't have been waiting much more than half an hour from that last one if the Duke was getting pretty antsy. Right, right. And on the way, Kynes is sort of like walking up this from like wherever it stopped or his crew left him. He came up with an honor guard of Fremen. And he is just sneering at the Atreides guards there. He sees them. They all have shields on. Just like. Oh, they're uh so, Arrakis has a surprise for them there. Yeah. This season is mine. Now this makes me first thought this guy's Fremen. I mean, he shows up with a, a Fremen guard, then remarks on how exposed the building is, how much better that suited a cave, a cave is, would be. And that uh oh shields. He's uh wearing a steel suit and a robe. Almost yeah, it looks like the same entrance that Stilgar had. Very much the same yeah. entrance that Stilgar had. Uh even more so. I mean Stilgar didn't have like an honor guard. Still guard remember, was true. stopped by the Atreides guards and comes in with Idaho. That, that's true. But like, yeah, we're going to watch how this little band of Fremen that's with him, they're very subservient to mm-hmm. him in every action he takes, which is almost counter to how we've seen Fremen behave. That's true, because they're all sort of individualistic, aren't they? We've, yeah, we've never seen them bow down to any... They're very, you know tough right hold their own kind of uh we haven't really seen counsel. fremen interact with one another though that's true yeah we have we've only seen really mapes and still so maybe there's maybe there is like a like there. a hierarchy kind of thing i definitely think that he's fremen though sure sure we'll keep building that yeah. case i think as we go yeah and uh so while this is happening the uh atreides guards then emerge on the other side with kind of the duke and paul and they're coming out and again, we're having kinds just kind of clock all of them. And he's mm-hmm. seeing how like they're heavily armed. They got these slow pellet stunners. They got swords. They got shields. Oh, there's the pellet stunner. There it is. Yeah, that was one of the one of the words. They come out. They're wearing these uh, Juba cloaks, And the Duke has one on. And it just looks all sorts <laughs> it's of like wrong. He's not really wearing it quite the right way. I'm like, I imagine like the shoulder's puffy or something. <laughs> like It's just weird. And then Paul's wearing it just as a natural as can be. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? He's got that one leg like, tucked in. And we have that nether quote from the uh, prophecy. Singing in uh, Kain's head, the Mahdi will be aware of things others cannot see. We're just like, Ooh. I got a, I got a whole list of prophecy quotes in here. You, you put, you're trying to put it together, yeah. Making your uh, reverse uh, missionary protectiva. Yeah, exactly. I'll <laughs> hone in on exactly what it is. So. But yeah, that's the first of a few that we're gonna see. Cool. And uh yeah, man, I wonder if uh, if they read all out if they make a concise uh, document. Oh, d- or if it's um, just like scattershot. Is the whole prophecy? do we find out what it, the whole thing is like written out? Uh no, not really. There's no one long monologue that's going to be really epic and bring everything together. Uh, okay. not, not quite. We're just going to see all the pieces slowly get validated. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to try and connect all of these somehow and <laughs> to make your own little short story. Yeah. It'll at least be a poem. <laughs> Gurney will be proud. <laughs> he will so kinds while he's uh, clocking the rest of these guys he sees one ugly lump of a man come out with them too <sighs> and it's gurney also in a juba cloak uh which we're not told how well he put his on i guess not and uh kinds just hates it right away cuz i guess um, gurney had lectured him on how to like how to talk, talk and talk address duke, the duke and paul and yeah. like royalty uh let alone how condescending that must have been in general. Um, it seems like he oh, did yeah. it even more personally. That's when we find out what Thufir's been up to all night long. <laughs> Talking to kinds. Oh, man. So th- I think those two factors, uh, maybe the gurney just pushed him over the edge of just like being up all night and then being told this stuff. Specifically, Thufir was asking him about the Emperor's storehouses. Yeah, something uh, trying. It seems like uh, Thufir is trying to be coy with it Mm -hmm. and like dance around, but Kine saw right through that. Oh yeah, without a doubt that's gonna yeah that's um coming right up on the thing of uh, ordered by the mentat and he has these just menacing thoughts right because mm-hmm. he's thinking like they expect me to guide them to expect spice like, like i'm out here i'm your guard you're a dog i've been out all night because of this no and yeah exactly what you're saying where he's like i know you guys want those bases and i know who told you about those bases mm-hmm. duncan idaho like because who else would know mm, who yeah what's the other atreides that's <laughs> yeah. coming by the C- sketch <laughs> lately but he says something the kind of threw me off guard. Yeah, yeah. What was that, Mike? Uh, that he's gonna... I will have Stilgar send Idaho's head to this duke, he told himself. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> the ducal party was only a few paces away now. <laughs> like, isn't that great? This is like... This is his last thought before he shakes your hand. I'm just like, I'm gonna have your friend dud and uh, send you his head. My uh, God, yeah. So I think he's Fremen too, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That one did it for me. Oh, man. Because <laughs> one, who is telling Stilgar what to do? Yeah, Stilgar, he's in charge of a yet right? Duke Leto couldn't tell Stilgar what to do. He wanted right. him to unsheath that blade. And he's just like, yeah, no. You don't, you could earn the right to unsheath that blade. I might let you do that. Oh, man. Yeah, does that put it in a little different scale for you? Well, I have a theory, and I'll I'll tell you at the end of this. But, uh. Just once we have all the clues in place. Okay. All right. We got some more because we, we switch perspectives now. Yeah. And uh, we're kind of now going to go and jump into Lido's shoes. And that's what I, I love in his kind of writing style is that mm. fluid motion between characters in a conversation. Right. And like all of a sudden I'm in Lido's head staring down kinds now being like, who is this man?
1: The, the, was there
0: one other thing he said before it switches over? Uh, well, Paul is kind of, I think, even kicks it right off. No, no. Oh, like he says one with, uh, last thing. With Kinds. Yeah, uh, prior Kynes. to that, he says they'll learn soon enough who's master on Arrakis. So, yeah, that's really menacing. Yeah, uh, as they're just watching him up. And then, like I said, he. so we say, like, who's going to be your master? I'll still go kill him. And then he just bows, and he says, my lord, Duke.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> we're there. Oh, my However, goodness.
0: Everyone has met. And you know they're kind of these introductions are made, and Paul's first question, always cutting right to the point, this kid of just I need to know an answer right now. Right. right. He asks him, "Are you a fremen?" And kinds of he just smiles back at him, and we get this uh, enigmatic, almost answer: "I am accepted in both Sietch and Village, young master, but I am in His Majesty's service, the Imperial Planetologist." He doesn't say yes, and he doesn't say no. <laughs> no, but what does that remind you of? The Imperial i remember we were uh we have a mystery to solve mike we have a mystery of who is liette oh oh th- well, okay that was my theory that i wanted to save till the end to the end okay oh, I, I'm not, so, oh, well I, I just as we pass this up i want to like uh this is just we uh one of the things for liette was uh serving two masters right and that is telling you straight like two very separate things that he wanted to highlight okay and so they. i okay We'll we'll keep coming back to that one. No, no, we can. We can just dive into like right now. I think that Dr. Kynes is Liette, that it's either like a title or nickname for him or it's his first name because we don't actually know his first name yet. We don't know his first no. name. Mm-mm. So and, uh, there's there's a lot in this chapter that's going to keep pointing us that way uh i think obviously and yeah. it gets even more in your face but no i think you are on to something okay. and i will uh encourage you to unravel that one <laughs> All right. uh it might not be so satisfying when you get to the end oh no <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> oh no <laughs> uh, well, i'm gonna put that on the uh but the yeah board. no, no that stood out know, of like that is that is so blatant and uh then we learn that paul he's been watching uh kind's approach so Paul has been a little sneaky and the, all of them were up there. I think they gave Paul binoculars. Oh, yeah. They watched so. him from the window. Uh, of course they did. Oh, we got him. <laughs> So still one-to-one, uh, protagonist to windows. Yeah. Uh, waiting for one to edge a lead out. And Gurney kind of pointed him out and makes a comment of just like, he's an odd sort of fellow. Precise way of thinking. Clipped off. No fuzzy edges. Razor apt. And then the Duke is like, I feel like he's just reading a book on the side. He's like, yeah, that's a scientist for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Not really that concerned. But uh, he senses power in kinds. Yeah, now that he's like standing in front of him, where like he's uh, comparing those two judgments of sort of seeing him from the window and now being in his perspective. What is it? It he's says uh, akin to blood royal. Yeah. Born to command, impact of personality. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, and we see Paul doesn't make these judgments on people often. I think the only other person that registers like that is the Duke. I don't really get him uh, making that impression when is in a room, mm-hmm. when Gurney's in a room, or when True. Idaho's there. Uh, but every time the Duke's been there, we've had something like that kind of, right. say. like, you know, he's there. And uh, we get the same impression now from Kynes. So then Lido, thanks, Kynes, uh, for these cloaks and still suits. Then we learn a valuable lesson of Arrakis, right? Because the Duke is like, uh, he's saying, I was concerned. <laughs> like you said, uh, we couldn't go out without these cool shirts on, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why? We have plenty of water. It's like, do we, we really need these? <laughs> going out for a little day trip. We're going to be right back. We've got I'm- our emergency whistle. <laughs> <laughs> we can- <laughs> they are the like, right. They're like little homing things. Yep. They're, it's a yeah. little coin sized transmitter, but yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> what it is. It is totally a whistle. And uh, Kynes just stares at him, seeing that water fat flesh, and he speaks coldly. You never talk of likelihoods on Arrakis. Only possibilities. Only possibilities. Ah, And that is oh great. I mean, that's just good advice, anyways. Like, you go out camping, it's like, I probably won't meet a bear, but if I do, I should probably be prepared. Let's just assume we will. Yeah. And Halleck, nothing at this. So before I had offered that maybe Halleck would be a good one to send to the Fremen. No. This whole chapter he spends like being like, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> yeah. This guy, he, he, he really, wants to pick a fight. <laughs> well, he just, you can't wrong the Duke in front of him. Uh, and that's like his only thing he hears about Yeah. because um, we're going to be like uh, this point where he's just looking out the window doesn't even care but once he wronged the duke he's right back in the conversation he is passionately loyal to a fault so because uh, Kynes and you know what he did just tell Kynes all about this we just, he's had, like, this we just <laughs> had this we just had this chat this is my one job today <laughs> he's just clapping in front of him you cannot say that <laughs> yeah you will say sir <laughs> um, and he so he barks out uh, Leto has to sort of like signal him down mm-hmm. and the uh, private hand signal again that uh that battle language yep which in the, i think there's also might just be a gurney language it seems like, <laughs> like there's one language. call for the like, gurney 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 <laughs> <laughs> sit down stop quoting <laughs> he's got a few for him uh but that'll be an ongoing thing and uh at this point i love that paul though i put in my notes feels compelled to pull a gurney Uh, well yeah because we're thanking them for these um these still seats yeah yeah it's interesting because it says on impulse Mm -hmm. he called to mind a quotation from the oc bible so is he how many times has he read the oc bible do you think we Uh, we got the impression that he hadn't gone through it when yui gave it to him that's what i thought too but i was thinking back and didn't uh didn't guys helma haim like say that uh oh just like straight out of the orange classic bible with uh um prohibition on the butlerian jihad which would be like the most common knowledge so like i don't okay. think paul's not wholly ignorant of the subject right. but we were kind of litigating did he read the entirety of the book well i'm guessing and he read it on the uh the trip here it, it's was- possible for sure like how would he just have this sort of on a whim ready to go unless I guess Gurney could have quoted it but like that's the yeah uh, (laughs) man how would he get a random quote from the OC Bible (laughs) stuck
1: in his head okay okay (laughs) see Gurney Halleck of
0: course he would remember it because of his MENTAT training and the MENTAT I think makes both possibilities like equally on the table like yeah he could have read the entirety of the book he also could have heard that quote eight years ago like you know at like a summer birthday party (laughs) with Gurney Halleck with himself he didn't have any Get like friends no friends no yeah. never you know Paul was oh. alone it is Paul in a bowl Gurney's alive. wearing a birthday hat and it's just them <laughs> that's where he learned it yeah <laughs> sing this one song <laughs> teaching Paul how to thank thank you for gifts the gift is the blessing of the river <laughs> giver and, uh, what's that giver I thought you said river just then oh I, no it did say river
1: Huh.
0: it says giver oh wow really yeah maybe Why did I copy that huh that's weird I don't know uh yeah I just said that wrong then. Oh um, yeah no I, that's I just kind of I assume, cuz of Caladan and then uh the water importance of it uh oh. made me like think like yeah that sounds right. Do you think that anyone born in Arrakis would be like river? Yeah. They would definitely want to yeah they would want a glossary if you will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man uh so anyway at that though so the gift is the blessing of the giver. The Fremen guard that had come with um kinds this yeah. honor guard so to speak they all stand up and they start buttering and kind of in agitation too so you just occur people and then one cries out yeah. one cries out Lizano, <laughs> just like oh my god that guy that guy i like to kinds world around give him a curt chopping signal with his hand and wave mm-hmm. the guard away and he, they feel that grumbling amongst themselves trailed away behind the building that that's what happened. they they leave yeah. like, it's not like they just stop and go back they have to walk around the building and leave and th- you know what before they came here I bet uh, Dr. Kynes is just like no one yell this because I swear I I've heard some things today you guys have been posting a lot <laughs> no one say this word first one to say this is fired now uh, I think we should all also take part, he just dismissed a group of Fremen. Yeah, and they listened to him si- too. Hand signal. No hesitation. No conversation. I'm just saying. That's some control. Um, now, Kinds of, he passes a hard glare over Duke and Nepal after that. And he just, I love, he's trying to brush this off. And the, most of the desert natives are a super suspicious lot. Pay no <laughs> attention to them. They mean no harm. I, I think I'm with Lid on this one, just, hmm, most interesting. Yeah, and uh, so we'll, you want to, you got another prophecy line here. Yeah. Because uh, he got the thoughts to go through his head. Yeah, so we had the first one, which the Mahdi will be aware of things cannot see. The second one, they will greet you with holy words and your gifts will be a blessing. What are the? That's not by coincidence. And well, so that does make us. Uh, what made Paul recall that one? I'm wondering if it has to do. You know how the Benny Gesserit have like that. Uh, that implant. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, adab. Yeah, when like something like at a a situation or like a phrase is said, like the information will pop into their head. Mm-hmm. I wonder if somehow this was also done to him. Well, that's actually what I was going to point out. Like that wouldn't be done to him. He would be, like, wholly excluded from that. Because he's not technically Bene Gesserit and wouldn't Correct. really be given training by them. Correct. Is it something maybe... No, because his mother wouldn't know now, either. Oh, oh, oh. No, possibly. Since oh. uh, we're saying, you know, in our heads, like, this guy is our Kwisach Haderach, maybe those, like, ancestral memories can, like... Maybe he doesn't have full access to them. Maybe, like, a whisper can get through, though. This is more evidence that he is Kwisach well, yeah, and then, then just saying, so, like, if there was a Bene Gesserit that had the Adab, maybe that's what... Like, maybe it was just one of those voices being like, this like say this and like then that quote is just heard in his mind and the cause of that impulse but Mm. we will never know uh there never is like an explanation obviously uh we only got in that moment he just has an impulse so i'm gonna chalk this one up to terrible purpose i was thinking the same thing you got it he he, that is our like our uh it's our unknown mover is terrible purpose in this kind of world i'm I'm with dr khanz on this one this one's just so precise (laughs) Mm, words from a bible that say
1: <laughs> yeah like, oh yeah hey, you know. fit,
0: it's a blessing and uh so with this now leto he gets to have a little revelation of his own because we're gonna hop back in his head and he kind of says uh, an assessment of his now he's got assessment of kinds based on hawat's uh verbal report guarded and full of suspicions which we know is how bread and yeah, butter yeah yeah uh it's a suddenly crystallized especially now yeah, oh, f- <laughs> of suspicions and yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they got to be. <laughs> uh, but this man was Fremen <laughs> through and through. And we also get a, a little just factoid because uh, he's saying, like, one of the ways he, it could be these Fremen are just like wanting to try out being in urban areas. Oh, like the group coming in and. Yeah, the- that honor guard that's yeah. with because he's saying, hey, they look like an honor guard. That's really weird. They could be this thing. Uh, so I just thought it was neat that they point out, though, that the Fremen under the Harkonnens weren't allowed in the city areas. Oh.
1: That's what I kind of draw. So they're like
0: that. accustomed to freedom, like sort of testing that out, seeing how far they can sort of go. Well, he's just saying like now that is a possible thing. Mm-hmm. Like so now it seems like the Fremen can do something like that. These ones, these are definitely not because these guys are an honor guard. And uh, then he's assessing that Kynes is a proud man, accustomed to freedom. His tongue and manner guard uh, guarded only by his own suspicions. Mm-hmm. That is an interesting. It's, like, it's uh, that is a man who he's not worried about what the emperor is ever going to hear. That's he, not what's like right. holding a kind's back. I think that's pretty insightful of Leto. It is. And uh, I think it is very much prodded by Paul. Though. Oh, it, I was going to say it's incited by him because it was Paul's question that started that thought process. Mm-hmm. Like, are you a Fremen? Uh, and that I don't. But I don't think Leto realizes he's been guided. You know, remember when Leto's guiding Paul down that um, realization post-Mentat about right. the Sardaukar? Right, right, and right. And he, he keeps talking about Chome to get him to that answer. This kind of feels like Paul guiding Leto to yeah. Uh, hey, Dad. Like, I'm pretty sure this is a fremen right in front of us right now, but I can't say it. Uh, and he he says Kynes had gone native. Mm-hmm. Now this is uh, this is where I was wondering. I think you uh, illuminated this question a little bit for me. I was wondering if he was uh, native to Arrakis originally, if he was born here. But uh, you made you said his father was from the Imperium. Yes, but. That doesn't mean his mother was. Right. Maybe his mother was Fremen. Okay, I mean, so I did just tell you earlier his mother was Fremen. Oh. Yeah. Uh, just this episode, though. Uh, oh. So before we talked about Pardot and stuff like right. that. So that is old, But yeah. Uh, so, so his mother being Fremen, uh, that makes sense with uh, what uh, you said about... Uh, Sort of intermingling between, like, the city and the CH's. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I guess I'm kind of a revealing a little bit more of his story to you than uh, is just exposed yet. But that, that is, uh, I'm justifying, yeah, what he is saying. So you can take everything he said as uh, de facto. Right. Uh, he's got this history, this weird acceptance, and walks this middle line, Um, a new kind of distinction between Frau Felucis that we haven't seen yet. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is very different than what Gurney does. This is different from what Idaho does. Uh, where we've seen all these men from different stations kind of walk down to the lowest form of the Frauferluchas, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, not even non existent, really. The Fremen aren't yeah, part yeah. of the Farfaluchas. Yeah, yes. exactly. They're just, they're kind of considered as part of the, they're like uh, plants on the territory, I right? Know, animals. But this, <laughs> exactly. But this, yeah. uh, Dr. Kynes, he is part of the Farfaluchas in a way because he does serve the emperor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He is ingrained in it. Uh, and that's why I'm saying He just is one that chooses To be down there Now uh, We uh, Then the Duke is He's kind of ready to go He wants to just get out On the field Yeah like, Let's go I'm going to fly the Thopter You guys gonna can again. But Kynes Puts the brakes on this A little bit And he makes this Kind of a Almost like a little power move Between him and Leto like, Yeah Let me check your steel suit first this puts Lido on edge of like, oh God. And I like how it goes right to Leto of just like, I have to make a decision right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. do I offend this man or do I let him into my shield? I'm glad they do that because I think it would have been really weird if he just like he had a moment of contemplation and said, Okay. Or if you, even if you didn't uh, hear the rationalization out. No. If he was right. just like, okay. And we're just like, oh, well, that was... Okay. Yeah, it would just it would have been weird. So it, I do it, appreciate... An opportunity would have been missed. I do um, appreciate that. Yeah, and the Duke makes the right choice. He's like, I will let this guy get right up to me. And when he does, though... Gurney goes right into the balls of his feet. Yeah, Gurney, Gurney is, is like a coiled, you know, snake, like ready to strike. At that point, I'm just like, go ahead, make one move. But both Kinds and uh, Lido, I'd like, are talking the same thing. Kinds is like, look, if I take you out there, it's my throat that gets slit. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm <laughs> well, like, well, if I let you in here, it's my <laughs> throat that could be slit. There's um, <laughs> no one is really trusting right now. But it goes fine <laughs> and um kinds goes through and we get sort of a little still suit 101 yeah we get to sort of learn a little bit more about it so you sort of just gave me the uh, the bare basics of what a still suit was yeah and uh, yeah kind of like oh, overarching yeah it just takes your water processes it through recycles it mm-hmm. um yeah so Here, we got a little bit more justification for um, each step of it. And, And, like, how it works. Yeah. um, Without digging too deeply into this, uh, I think we're going to go on for the sake of getting through this whole chapter. And uh, we'll do a deep dive because I do have an encyclopedia article on Steel Suits as well. Oh, cool, cool. And uh, we're definitely, we haven't seen the end of them. Uh, We're going to be coming back to them very often. So for right now, uh, I hope you guys did enjoy reading about them. And um, if you do have any pressing questions, you can't wait for us to get to, go ahead and ask us uh, and we can answer you. But we are going to kind of glide through this one. Um, Just saying that. So he adjusts it for the Duke. Mm -hmm. The Duke's was off. Everything you can possibly Yeah, it's just do. like everything's like a little too loose or not this, quite in the yeah, right uh, place. I think we had like the chest need to be tightened. Oh, this forehead, you're going to get a blister if you don't right. tighten that. If we don't do this thing on your nose, you're going to get a blister there. If, it, if the chest isn't tightened, it's not even going to work pretty <laughs> it's much. Just like, <laughs> it's just going to sit there. You might as well just pour water out in the sand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you get it right, you only lose a thimble of water a day. That's insane. the insane. And even then, um, mostly through your palms uh which I thought was funny that we, right. he's telling you like Fremeno, we don't really wear gloves because you need your dexterity you need your fingers right right and so they they use a plant they use the creosote bush which do you remember the other little i had one yeah. fact about that bush yeah we yeah did it. yeah do you know what it was was it that uh it like sends out like a little like uh it, it produces a yeah a chemical like an, like an antitoxin or like a toxin to other like uh plants that come around too yep. close to it yeah it was uh i think was one other plant. yeah it was more kind of like a pheromone esque, uh where it like inhibits the growth of the other plant right uh for moving in to kind of like claim water and territory uh so i thought that was cool that that was the one i keyed in on and then that's the one that comes back to be like oh you can also use this to, as an antiperspirant for your palms interesting uh, super would you cool. would you liken uh the uh creosote bush to the fremen go on <laughs> in that uh, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm uh, on a limb here. I was hoping you were going for like a lichen fungus pun. No, and that <laughs> that I was gonna be really impressed by. No, uh, in that they well, uh, you, yeah, they're very mean? protective of their uh, their territory and their water. Sure. What are they like inhibiting the growth of though? They're sort of like the persecuted people at this point. I guess you're right. Never mind. I get where you're going for There's something there. I don't know. Uh, it is at very least adapted to survive in a harsh, harsh environment. Right. And, uh, it makes do with its other plants without conquering them. I think gotcha. that, that, maybe that's kind of something. Well, maybe that, that's that, something, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of chalking up to the creosote. Uh. So, I'm just like, we got Ducledo as like a hawk. We have Paul as this mouse, I guess.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> hold up! Hold, hold up! <laughs> I'm
0: just saying. So, uh, the kinds though, he, uh, like I said, he goes through that whole motion of of the Duke and we kind of explaining to the Duke as he goes, like, this is what this does. It's, uh, cinematic, uh, I think in Mm -hmm. its approach, like it just plays well to a movie in how it's so much, um, extra, uh, not extrapolation. Um, what do you say that when you're just, uh, talking about something and speaking aloud on it? Oh, oh, um, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Ex uh, exposition. Exposition. <laughs> That's what it was. Thank you. It was all about X's Whoa. last episode, and I just yeah. lost them. <laughs> I just drained them from you. Yeah. So it's just like uh, just straight exposition. Uh, it's yeah. Very straight literal. Uh, but it's it's gonna set us up going forward. <laughs> Every time we put a steel suit on, we're gonna think back to this conversation. Do you, do you think in the uh, the David Lynch, he's just like, uh, why don't you tell me what these still su- how these steel suits work? And he like looks at the camera and winks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, but so then Kynes He turns to examine Paul And uh, Going up He does call him lad Again broken the one thing <gasps> Gurney, Gurney talked to him about <laughs> Gurney is just like You cannot Well actually This then, was Duke The Duke, Lado, the Duke says, is like, it's like Well He's he, a good guy But he he makes He's gonna a, have to learn some things Yeah he'll, We'll give him this one day And uh, Paul, though, Paul had deja vu putting the suit on. Under Gurney's inexpert guidance, it said. (laughs) Which, can you, I love Gurney. He's probably worn this twice. And he's like, all right, kid, Mm -hmm. this is what I did. And he's like, I took some zip ties and I put this on. I'm like, hold them together with some duct tape. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but uh in the fra and outside the fra no i mean here's the here's the power of the mentat and the uh, bene Gesserit training he's got and like just throw in the terrible purpose uh he's able to see like what it is how it sort of function works and how best to put it on so that oh it, i like it. So you are kind it. of like rationalizing out what it yeah maybe even beyond sort of a metaphysical uh thing you think it's sort of like he assembled the knowledge but didn't realize he did it right okay I, that's cool i like that view that is very human of him. Um, yeah. Just that, like, everything's operating so quickly, he didn't realize he generated the thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting. I, I, though, knowing, like, the ancestral memory is a thing in him, uh, I, I chalk it more up to that in the sort of metaphysical, like, these memories are just sort of, like, popping into him fully formed. He doesn't know their origin because he can't quite get access to them yet, but it is there, mm-hmm. all the threads of it, but that that is so cool. Where yeah he's doing it and he just understands why after he does it like oh this is gonna like as I walk this will do better or this mm-hmm. will stop this from hurting and Kynes is like someone do this for you
1: he's like no. he like sets S- back puzzled like somebody uh... <laughs> should <you> do this <laughs>
0: like no no I just this is how you should put boots on he's like that is very right like, that's how you put boots on this is like it, I think it's interesting because like the the boot thing is probably something just the Fremen do. Yes, from the sounds of it. Yeah, he's like, who showed you that? Mm -hmm. Probably like a couple smugglers who spend a lot of time with the Fremen. Like there are a few people who earn like uh, some Fremen respect, but you're never like fully part of the crew. You think he's just like under his breath? Mapes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that'd
1: be great.
0: (laughs) If they just spent some money. He's like, that water burden, we're not fully paid yet. I'm like, what? (laughs) Show me one more thing, Mapes. (laughs) Show me how to put on boots. (laughs) I will, as long as you close that door. He's like, deal. Uh, that that, <laughs> Um, yeah. So we got our our suits on. Like we're now ready to go out in the desert. What does he he says something here? Um, that uh, you won't lose more than a thimble of moisture a day, even mm. if you're caught in the Great Erg. Yeah. What's the Great Erg? It is. Is that uh, the storm? No. No, the storm would just kill you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure exactly what an Erg is. I imagine it's going to be a flat, expensive desert um just <laughs> Wait, yeah. oh we have some i some guess I, words for it um yeah. ultimately like if you on the section of our map we have a lot of these uh stretches and areas kind of like in between rock formations or the various basins all have names and i think the great erg would uh just be one of those so maybe what like, did you say it was uh what did i say it Yeah, was? just something like in between the sort of rock structures or like a big basin okay do you have erg in there yeah no i thought you said something and i thought you like guessed it like perfect like verbatim that would be very cool if i did i think you did uh yeah no we'll just go into that now yeah 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 yeah, if you got her go ahead read right Uh, it was an extensive dune area a sea of sand yeah i think you said like an extensive area i mean it's me describing the desert it's i guess you only have so many (laughs) adjectives you can use (laughs) so many words for rock open area hot (laughs) big empty bled (laughs) bled yeah yeah okay Uh, so the uh the great great erg erg is probably just like The empty desert. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, like I said, it's going to be, we just have a bunch of areas like that. So whatever uh, natural features define it, we're not going to learn intimately, you know, what everyone, what makes this one part of the desert look different from that one part of the desert. Uh, But we trust the Fremen have reasoning. You know, there's going to be, sometimes there's a a rock that will look like something. So like one of them, I think looks like, um, like a bird and that's like cave of birds. Oh, cool. And so we can judge stuff around that. Um, But yeah, so that, that is why I kind of knew the erg would be something like that. Uh, And it's going to be, obviously, an intimidatingly large piece of desert if, like, uh, Kynes is using it as an example here. For, Mm -hmm. like, when you're just out there, out in nowhere, I'm going to say you're in the Great Erg. Um, So, yeah, we are, we're ready to go. And we get in. I told you the Duke is flying this thopter today, Mike. Because we are in the Duke's Yeah. So we know that Gurney's a pretty good pilot, but we get to see the Duke in action. We do. Oh, but I want to point out, this is the Duke's personal thopter. This oh, is like, this is like, they brought this from Caladan. Uh, whether or not they did that, this is just the one he's comfortable flying. And we know this from a few clues later on. Uh, He's going to tell Gurney, like, I know this machine better than you. Don't worry. Right. On a few things. I, but also, when Kynes is getting in, there's like a padded luxury to the craft. And he just goes, it's so soft when he... You know like, what? I think this it. is from Cal... I bet this is his personal one. I bet it is from Caladan. Because we had a- air power on Caladan. We had air power. And here's the thing. Why would they... Take the time to install all of this where they just barely got the H's scraped off of the chairs, Off the chair. <laughs> like, I, I think this is definitely. Maybe we were short on chairs, Mike. I think he's intimately familiar with this vehicle, which is why he's like, I know how much this can take. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I've uh, been doing barrel rolls for days. Mm-hmm. And like every time uh, they comment on how he's doing, he's so calm. He knows where all these controls are. Mm-hmm. It's just second nature for him. So we take off and, oh, is it kind of cool when this skids off? of the air like you cup it and this little jet pushes you and i think he says it takes like um 10 me- 10 meters for it to jump off on the first run so i have been trying to really imagine what a thopter looks like mm-hmm. and uh i've seen so many different pieces of art out there some of them look like birds others look like bugs uh one just looks like this weird uh ball with some like Little cups that it's like trying to like push oh, yeah, down. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. I think that was the weirdest that's one I the, saw. That's the Jarodowski one, I think. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't too fond of that one. I thought it was a little odd. Like, I think he took the cupping, the air yeah, a little yeah. too literally. But uh I, I imagine it's somewhere between like a bird and a dragonfly. With like the engines on it, especially. Right. I see like a uh, dragonfly with even more beetle-esque wings. Right. Um, and it looks like you can like the the wings have like some sort of like movement to them, but they can like become rigid fan and stiff metal, as well. Mike. Fan, fan metal. Fan metal. Yes. Totally pliable. You can adjust its length and everything. It is very cool. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the f- best ones I saw a rendition was like uh, it made it look even a little more um, kind of like a, a jet. Right. Where it like emphasize more of those uh, engines on it that are pushing it. Uh, mm-hmm. I like how small it feels like this vehicle is. I get very much like a minivan size to it. Yeah. Uh, give or take. And these wings coming off and some sort of tail. Uh, but, oh, it, it is just neat. And it's cool. They take off. We know that it has like a there's got to be like a bar because that was what Paul had on his room for the door. There's oh, the th- there's a thrust right, bar, right, right. Um, Of one of the few things we saw for it. But uh, so this takes off and we head southeast. We're going over the shield wall. Now, we've been staring at the shield wall for, I think, two or three chapters now. Mm. Moon, uh, moon frosted rocks every time uh, when we saw light go down over it. So now we're going to finally pop over the shield wall. And, oh, it is great. And we have a little discussion along the way. Uh, We're going to talk everything from, uh, I think, like, uh, still suits to, like, uh, the sietches and uh kinds even kind of he makes this weird offer to i might offer to show you a ch factory one sometime day. yeah they, great political it's double sort speech. of a weird back and forth between them question about the the shield wall i don't know if this uh was mentioned net na- like at this point or a little bit further in this conversation uh it's a shield wall a natural formation of arrakis or do you think it was dumped there to protect an area? No, I, th- I think it's like a natural tectonic okay. uh, kind of thing. Like I-, I think we lucked out with the imperial. They basin. made it seem like it like looked as if it had just been dropped from space, pretty much, and like with no. Regard. Oh yeah, yeah, with that description, right? That, that's why I think like tectonic, like it must just jut straight, probably, up and just and have like it's such a rough cut to everything else, and that makes sense. But again, with everything we learned about space and technology, I wouldn't put it past the guild to just drop a giant rock. Ooh, remember that moon that blew up uh, oh, 200,000 years oh, ago? Oh. Maybe yeah. it's a moon wall.
1: Oh, that's called moon wall.
0: <laughs> Could be. Maybe the basin's a crater? That? Uh, no, you would be able to tell if it was a crater, I think. Space. Well, I guess I, don't know, like, I guess maybe you wouldn't. Who maybe knows? The, the worms could tear it up. It depends on how long ago it was and how much years. sand traveled. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, I make time. a case for that. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's interesting. We're putting it on the board. A <laughs> it's on the board. <laughs> uh, but I just love uh, there's some devil speak uh, in the C.H. factory invitation though to that uh, where he's like I might offer to one day show you something. Probably not though. <laughs> and. Um, then, uh, that's when we kind of learn about this, uh, the creosote bush thing. And, uh, ultimately Kynes, he's sitting in this passenger seat. He is confused at this point. Uh, of, like, he's sizing up Paul and Leto. I'm mm-hmm. just like, it's this strange combination of softness and arm strength. There was a poise to them totally unlike the Harkonnens. Because he's seen the shields, the swords, of this, but, like, they're water fat. They're a little stupid. Like, what is going on? <laughs> water fat. I love that. Water saying. fat is always fun. It's like <laughs> such good shade. I'm just like, what does that mean? I'm healthy, dude. I'm hydrated. <laughs> you just gotta be like, oh <laughs> get off my back. <laughs> you 70%ers. Who knows what their water content is. Yeah, I guess that's it would be it doesn't change. That's all I know. What do you mean? Well, if their water is like constantly recycled uh no they have like a lower body content than uh, oh like your body addressed overall uh so like one of the cool things with still suits is your still suit is uncomfortable until you get used to having less water in your body like you adapt to just less uh water in your system hmm part of the environment uh and that's why uh when paul says he puts it on it feels like all slick like that is what normalizes, I guess. Once your skin is a little less saturated with water, and it's always a little drier, the skin, the suit isn't so slicking, nasty feeling. Ah, it feels a little more comfortable. Um, so uh, yeah, we, you were saying we have like an awkward uh, conversation along the way, mm-hmm. and it begins. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kinds, he doesn't seem to care uh, much about being pressed on his job. He does not like it when you talk about being a planetologist, though. Yeah. That is like the touchy issue for him, which is really weird. So uh, I think Leto is sort of just asking him about, like, hey, you're the judge of the change. Like, how's this all going to shake out in your report? <laughs> think, yeah, you're going to say good things? Yeah. Well, he's like, the Harkonnens left. You <laughs> came. He's like, what else is there to say? And, like, uh, there's, like, a momentary, t- or, again, Leto responds, like, and is there is everything as it should be? Like, is there anything we should be doing and not doing? Right. There's just, like, tension on the jaw and kind's muscle. And I think that goes back to the beginning where you're saying, like, he's- he ordered to betray them. So that, ooh, cuts right to him. Is Mm -hmm. it as it should be? Kinds? Is there anything you want to tell me? Right, right. (laughs) Which is not what Lido, I think, means by that. He means, like, is there anything I need to tell you? Right. Because, like, we can get on the same page right now. (laughs) There's some mixed messages right now. (laughs) Yeah. So as planetologist and judge of the change, I am direct subject of the Imperium, my lord. And the Duke guy, he just smiles grimly. But we both know the realities. <laughs> like, oh, I love that. Yeah. Of like how we all just throw the uh, Frau for like we like, this is a joke, right? Every, like the same when that fatuous legal statement, end all dispute. That's what this is. This is just meaningless. And uh, Kynes, I like, he tries to like hold the uh, emperor up as a shield. Yeah. <laughs> like his majesty supports my work. And like one question from that from Leto breaks that. What one is down. your work? Oh, indeed? Go go on. Elaborate. Oh. Uh, so Paul's just thinking, whoa. He's like, dude, lay back. You are pushing kinds too hard. And he turns to Gurney. He needs he wants Gurney to like kind of support him. And Gurney can just look out of the window. <laughs> looking the, doesn't care. <laughs> you know, no one's gonna say Lord today, so whatever. <laughs> Why am I even here? <laughs> <laughs> and uh he just kind of kind of goes on. He explains um uh, his sort of uh vague uh vagaries of what a planetologist does of like, you know, there's no way to exhaust my work, you know, core sampling, there's always this something that. to learn and do. Yeah, it's a whole planet. Like we can always go to a different area and learn something. Can never exhaust the possibilities of an entire planet. Of an entire planet. And uh Lito, he knows, you know, right where you're getting it. He's like he wants to know like are you investigating the spice? Right. You know. Let's just get... Let's cut right to it. And bear in mind, kinds. This is my... This is now my fife. My methods differ from those of the Harkonnens. I don't care if you study the spice. As long as I get a share of what you discover. Uh, and then he asks them, like, if the Harkonnens discouraged it. Which we don't get a response back. So that seems like a yes to me. Maybe. I don't know. What do you... What do you think? Maybe it's not that they discovered it. Maybe that they... uh Maybe that they do investigate it, or they maybe not that they investigate it, maybe they know something about it already. Well, see, this gives me the impression that, like, Kynes has been investigating it, and he wasn't allowed to investigate it. Mm. Like, this is sort of like a, I'm not going to say a thing until I know how you feel. Right, but, You know, kind of like, let this all play out. But it, it seems like Kynes is definitely, and we know from how Paul is watching this conversation, right. Kynes is interested in the spice, very much so. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, yeah, I don't think he told the Harkonnens much about it at all. And, uh, you know, the Duke's trying to, we get this great line uh, where the Duke's, you know, trying to dissuade him. Like, look, you're going to be fine. You don't got to fear about your life. It's, it's awkward. He stared back without answering. Like, what a tense moment. Yeah, in between, like, when he asked him about if the mm-hmm. Harkin did, Yeah, just sitting blankly. He's like, you can speak plainly. And all that, uh, he gets kinds to mutter. And I like how when he mutters, like, that to me is like, this is almost him talking to himself. Not really even saying this line to Leto, necessarily. The Imperial Court is indeed a long way off. And that's those two thoughts are in his mind concurrently. What Leto's talking about, and these are the people I've been ordered to betray. Right. i like, He has a he has another thought though, too, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, what does this water soft such a great <laughs> <Water> soft invader <laughs> expect? And he does call him invader. Again, like this is his home. Arrakis is his place. That's I think. a good that's a good point. Yeah. The perspective of ownership. Yeah. And um uh I'm just going to say presence, but like, uh, just that it's kind of like his property. Like, he owns this kind of place. So, when he says master of rockets, do you think he's referring to himself or do you think he's referring to the Fremen? I think, no, I think then he's referring to the environment. Ah. I think that's the ecologist kind of coming through. Uh, Because that is going to color kinds through and through of like, he is a man with nature and understands the processes of nature. Right. Nature is all about consequences. Uh, And I think that's what he's uh, seeing them not take uh, into account consequences. So, yeah, what does this water soft invader expect and does he think me fool enough to enlist with him? Mhm. It's like that's what he thinks the duke is looking for right now. Which he kind of is. Sort of. I mean, I think the duke uh he wants he wants the judge of the change to be on his side. Well, he wants those bases right now or yeah. Side. Um yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know, uh, I guess, how far I would, or where I think he would draw the line. I guess, ultimately, yeah, that would be the end game of it, um, right. and I don't know where the Duke would be satisfied, because we know we can't buy the Judge of the Change, right. but, like, Duke's not stopping. <laughs> As it is right now, his uh, view of the Duke is not a real positive one. It is, no, uh, of kinds. Yeah, uh, Yeah. no, yeah, Kynes, kind of we're starting this off, I hate this guy. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are just wasting my time, and you're no, you're no different than the Harkonnens, especially. Mm-hmm. And so then we end up with uh, the duke. He kind of chuckles at him. So we're having this awkward conversation. And he, I detect a sour note in your voice, sir. Which I love it. like, great. Yeah, address it straight on. There's never going to be, like, coyness with him. Mm-hmm. We've waited in here with our mob of tame killers, eh? And we expect you to realize immediately that we are different from the Harkonnens. Oh, the tame killers. Soup Gurney. Tame? I don't know if that's the word. No. <laughs> Sing Gurney. Um... Well, speaking of which, we're going to get a little bit of Gurney right now. We are. Uh, Because Kynes, he retorts back, and uh, he brings up the propaganda. of Like, oh, I've heard the yada yada. Love the good Duke. Your core of. Yeah, and Gurney barks right at it because you insulted the Duke. Boom. That gets Gurney. Guard dog. He's he's not looking out that window. Guard dog Gurney. (laughs) And uh, Paul's got to put a hand on Gurney. And Leto is, like, kind of scolding him from the front. I just like, hold on, man. Down, boy. (laughs) There's just four of us in the car. Like, there's no <laughs> one else that he's gonna hear like insult me right now. Mm. It's not like he's uh, disparaging me in front of the men. And uh, yeah, he's telling Lido like Lido wants to use these bases, and he presses Kynes, asking if the emperor like uh, would concur with his opinion on yeah. the matter. <laughs> and uh, Kynes he darts well, a hard stare at that Duke. Well, it's yeah. Do you got that a oh, uh, Arrakis could be an Eden if its rulers would look up from the grubbing spice from the grubbing for spice. Um ultimately he doesn't really he sort of just dodges the question. It's like they're not being used, but they could be used. Does his majesty concur? And it's just like mm. Yeah, yeah. And that's the second time Lido's kind of pressing him where he's using the Emperor yeah. as a shield. Of like, And I think that's going like to feeling that there's something... The emperor is not here. Right. Like, what is actually going on here? Uh, and I know... I, you know, I've talked to Shaddam. Shaddam does not care about, a, like, a cactus growing station in the middle of this desert. <laughs> he's not coming down here to see it. And that's, like... It spurts up kinds where he's saying... And they have this uh, quick exchange of lines where they're both talking about the same thing differently. Like, Arrakis could be an Eden if your rulers would look up from the spice. So spice is the source Everyone just All they look at that And then you have the Duke Be like well What uh, How is a planet To become an Eden Without money Because what You know We need the spice To get money To make it into an Eden That's right. how I see This equation working And then we have Kynes come back What is money If it won't buy The services you need Now we know What those services are Which services What do you, what do you think You need to turn uh, A desert planet Into an Eden Oh you need water No, no? You need a weather satellite What's, oh. what's the service that money can't buy us, Mike? That's true. And we don't know why, you know, what do we have to Oh, so out? that's what he's referring to. That's it. Remember how Hawat said? Right. No matter how long our reach could go, that meant had implied it would not be within it's our like reach. It's like they could not afford it. That is what he's saying here. Okay. You I, want, I didn't you put two and two together on that. So this is, uh, we had um, that dual uh, allegiance kind of line. Mm-hmm. This is just pulling that other mystery that we had. All mysteries of the Fremen kind of lead back to this guy in a way. So, interesting. Do you think... Uh, hmm. I've got like the, the conspiracy gears turning here. Well, let me just go right to the Duke's next line. Because he says, we'll discuss this another time. Uh, right now, <laughs> no.
1: I believe we're coming to the <laughs> end of the <laughs> channel.
0: That was good. That was hey, good. Thank you.
1: <laughs> um, so <laughs> he,
0: he realizes. Uh, I, so I just want to point there that they're both. Uh, the Duke is just seeing a world where chome and money is the you know that's the center of his universe, mm-hmm. and uh, I think uh, Kinds is trying to show him something bigger so kynes Arrakis is the center of his universe right. this is my planet my world and anything if you understand a world you can make these things happen mm-hmm. so that also tells me that uh kynes knows a different way to get to eden cuz like oh. money isn't the way to eden right you know th- if money can't get you there they need so, something though Kinds of, or so then the Duke uh, feeling like I'm, um, we're on to something, but like I've hit a chord and we're not getting anywhere. So like you know what, best to just exactly don't like Gurney, take a you take a note of this one. Let's just calm down and move on and go yeah. on to the next. Subject. Paul finally breathes for the first time in like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, he's probably been on a mentad edge. <laughs> so uh, they start flying out the terrain. Uh, we're going over the shield wall now. This yeah, is, this is a threshold a, moment it, for us, and it's huge, right? Gigantic. Uh, like I said, it's, that's what's blocking the Coriolis storm from like barreling through the Imperial. So, basin. but the storm does pass over them somewhat, but yeah, I don't know how to, it's enough that it's breaking the energy of it. Right. And absorbing a lot of that. So it must just be light, well, uh, blowing over. I imagine everything. it's sort of the same. Oh, what is it? Like, uh, like a windscreen almost, or what do they call it? Uh, a slipstream.
1: Yeah, kind of yeah. like
0: uh, it just shoots it over. Yeah, and exactly. Like yeah, the wind breaks around it, or the energy. Yeah. Is, yeah, it's just weighted in some way. Um, so that is our shield wall, and we just see like this uh, that fractured terrain you kind of described, and it. I think now we are. This is desert. These are like they um, say, like uh, fingertip dunes, like going off into right. the distance. The Great and, Erg, uh, and they uh, refer to it as like a, a delta of sand too, mm-hmm. which is they, using wa- water imagery. To I was going to say there's desert. a whole lot of uh, imagery with sand and uh, oceans, sand and water. We're yeah. always interchanging the two, and uh, you know that that is thematically, I think, why we're from Caladan using a water world, right? Uh, and then sort of irony in using that imagery. Uh, that these sands are always churning like water. Mm-hmm. Uh, the worms are always breaking through them like a wave and stuff. Uh, we even refer to the worm as a fish. Uh, right. <laughs> great great stuff. So uh, Paul asks if there are plants down there, because he's looking out. He's got a window seat, too. Gurney, we know, is enjoying his. And uh, we learn that they're mostly water stealers, these plants that have adapted. And I think it's uh, kind of similar maybe in like uh, how that creosote bush was working. Right, right. Kind of claiming its own space and pushing this out. And uh, they raid each other, and then they even have to rely for the dew. And I think uh, having the dew, we're very um, acutely aware of how the dew works on here. where those, right. those dew flowers in the morning. Right. That, like, are adapted just to bloom at that point. And uh, if he were to find himself, this is um, Kinds telling Paul this, if you were to find yourself in the desert, you must imitate this life. <laughs> and Paul responds, you must steal water from each other. <laughs> yeah, uh, the idea outraged him, uh, and his voice betrayed his emotion. A little a little breaking of his uh, protocol. Like, he was kind of... That's him a little out of control. That must have been kind of a shocking cut to him. There. Yeah. And it kinds of like, whoa, it's done, but it's not precisely my meaning. You see, my climate demands a special attitude towards water. You are aware of water at all times. You waste nothing that contains moisture. And the Duke thought my climate <laughs> yeah like excuse me he didn't say that but it was just like uh i caught that <laughs> yep uh that's going into your totally fremen dude <laughs> yeah and uh yeah just comes out naturally for him and we're gonna uh solidifying that image of uh who kinds really is underneath yeah no i mean uh that mask is sort of starting to uh fall a little bit like, a little slip a little yeah bit? And uh, so we're coming up, we uh, adjust our approach, because we have a little storm uh, that's coming around, so we kind of turns, uh, just to get around there, and we learn we're flying at like uh, 2,000 meters high, and the storm isn't too much of a problem, it's actually the dust that would be a real problem. Right, so it's not sand at this altitude, it's like fine, tiny little, like, uh, yeah, it's little particles. Yeah, so, little particles. And I've told you that that before is going to be like a thing that uh, gets into everything. Right, well, uh, yeah, if it's like the size of... Uh, Actual dust. Right. Well, that was like the main house. That was the only thing the main house is sealed against. Right. We have final water, but dust. Oh my God, dust sucks. Uh, and we're telling us here, like, yeah, it can turbulence. It can uh, decrease visibility or it can just clog your intake. So and this, you it can go, make you go down. Yeah, you're just done. You're worm fodder. And uh, Paul asks one more question to Kynes, uh, and then we learn that he's been doing something the whole time. He just needed uh, one more affirmative answer, I think. Mm-hmm. And so Paul asks the stupidest question of, we'll actually see spice mining today? <laughs> On the spice mining, like, observational trip we're doing? to the spice miners you know exactly where yeah, they are? <laughs> yeah, that is a little bit silly. So Kinds is like, very likely. <laughs> and Paul sat back. So... It wasn't the stupidest question because, like I said, I think he needed the one more just affirmative where he knew what the answer was before he asked it because he's been gauging kinds against this Bene Gesserit hyper awareness.
1: Right. And So
0: I've described this kind of to you, I think, in alluding to Bene Gesserit power, but this is the first time we've seen it uh, in writing of how Frank wants to describe it, of like what Paul's doing when he's like uh, listening to somebody. He's setting up with like a profile almost. Right, right. Well, we've been calling that kind of profiling yeah, of like cues and stuff like that. I think we actually get a name for it in this chapter, too, don't we? Uh, it just says registering in quotes. Right. So registering the person. Um, and then he said he had kinds now. Tune of voice, each detail of face and gesture. An unnatural folding of the left sleeve on the man's robe, told of a knife in an arm sheath. The waist bulged strangely. It was said desert man wore a belted sash into which they tucked small necessities. Perhaps these bulges came from such a sash. Certainly not from a concealed shield belt. And then we have uh, two copper pins as well on him in the shape of a hair. Oh. Uh, one on the outer one and then uh, one on the robe that gets uh, flinged back over. You know, I think I missed that. that oh, one. yeah, look at that. It is a, yeah, just a copper pin engraved with the likeliness of a hair. And then there's another smaller pin with a sim- similar likeliness hung at the corner of the hood interesting i wonder what the significance is though yeah it was enough i wanted you to like put a little uh, i highlighted it yeah i wanted to mention it so we're gonna like hair. hair what does a hair have to do with this guy and why has it got two of them uh and so yeah that's that's how paul like does that kind of trick and we see him do a great little sherlock of like looking at his clothes and sort of just like clocking these little things mm-hmm. on him now uh halleck he's been bored <laughs> he's staring one. at the window. Yeah, staring at the window. So he turns around and uh, there's some compartments. He goes rummaging through them, comes back out. He's got a balance, set, <laughs> yeah. of course. Which I'm starting to think that he just has balance sets like tucked in places. Like I don't even know this is the same one. Just, like, like he just does... pounds the ceiling and balance it pops out. Because he takes out, he's got, he tunes it a little bit. Like <laughs> all right, good to go. Paul, what do you want to hear? <laughs> Paul just tells him like play, fl- You know, player's choice. Ah, so we have a little song that Gurney plays out of. Our fathers ate manna in the desert, in the burning places where whirlwinds came. Lord, save us from that horrible land. Save us, oh, save us from the dry and thirsty land. Is this a Bible quote? Uh, I didn't find it in one. I so di- I'm- oh, I'm sorry. John, 649. Oh. <laughs> 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 the other, the other song he sings, I didn't find. Oh, uh, I was about to say like, oh, uh, it must be a gritty original, but <laughs> you're like, no, wait. Uh, and, uh, so I only have a partial for it and it was, uh, your father's Didi Diddy Mana in the wilderness, uh, and are dead. Oh, okay. So well, it wasn't like, uh, I couldn't find nearly as um, dead on as the other ones were, where every other time he just takes straight from the King James Bible mm-hmm. and lifts one line out of uh, some one of the books. I wonder if it's from a, a different source then couldn't be um that or just uh some mix to it. the other thing that comes to mind for me is what the use of whirlwinds in here is mm-hmm. going to be replicated later on in the chapter when we see the beast uh, go down the sandworm kind of descent it creates a whirlwind of sand mm. or uh, I a mean, whirlpool, whirlpool. Well, actually it was it's water different. oriented yeah you're right there's a lot of whirring, though <laughs> a lot of whirls. <laughs> i think he <laughs> he, he whirs a, meeting me halfway he there. whirred around <laughs> yeah ah. um so, kinds. Uh, he glances at the duke and he says, uh, "Do you travel with a light complement of guards, my lord? Are all of your such men of many talents?" <laughs> Which are like, uh, and he's like, "Gurney, oh, Gurney is one of a kind. I like, uh, I like, uh, I like him with me for his eyes. His eyes miss very little." The planetologist frowned. <laughs> like he hates Gurney so much. <laughs> And uh, if you recall back to chapter 11, when, uh, remember, we're in the room, uh, Gurney came down with the guys from Caladan, and he's right. walking across, <laughs> and uh, we see an ugly lump of a man, with. and we remark on his eyes of these two, like, oh, I can't remember, I think they were, like, steely eyes of a thing. Uh, but I just love, so, like, that is a point we do always go to with Gurney, mm-hmm. of, like, this guy doesn't miss a beat, and he, we're telling uh, Kinds right now, like, oh, by the way, he's here to watch you. That's all he's doing right now for this whole flight. Hope you enjoy. And uh, without missing a beat, Halleck, oh, switch songs. Whoop. And he's like, for I am an owl of the desert. Oh, I, uh, I am an owl of the desert. Psalm 1026. <laughs> I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. So I'm ashamed we didn't say pelican. I bet he, he busted that one out more on Caladan. Yeah, we're, probably. We're probably. switching to desert now, which is like kind of in uh, Thufir's lane, but we'll iron that out later. Yeah, <laughs> it's like all these animals. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, speaking of animals, the uh, the Duke immediately, he uh, switches to <gasps> the mic and he's kind of on alert right now. And he's just like, we have some object off to the side here. Identify it. Like, <laughs> oh, it's it, it's a bird. It's just <laughs> a, a big eagle even. I think uh, Kynes is able to tell He tells him what it is before the spotter comes in. I'm just like, yeah, that's a large bird. And then the spotter's like, er, er, it's an eagle. Uh, Okay. And we're just like, wow. Wow. Good eyes. Paul looks up and uh, it is a dot of intermittent motion on the horizon. That's like some Bene Gesserit style like observation. He's on edge. Yes, he is. Uh, This is a man of war going to battle. It feels like going out into his own personal hell. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, the Surat. Is there a way we can work that in? That's what he's on right now. Yeah. He just has to make it to the other side. Now um, this conversation sort of perks up uh, Paul's attention um, from the yeah. Timber of Kind's voice when he speaks here. Life on Arrakis. Mm-hmm. and Duke. Uh, he asks if anyone's ever walked out of the desert, and out of this deep desert, and Halex explains. Music stops. <laughs> See, he kinda, Ernie wants to know too. Yeah, he leans forward in the seat, <laughs> and Kynes lets him know, like, no, no one. Uh, they've walked out of the second zone, using rock areas to the void where the worms. And I love this where the worms seldom go. <laughs> worms are still everywhere. Well, you know what, Mike? We don't talk. We, we don't talk about likelihoods on ragus. We to talk about possibilities. Um, so, but the timbre of Kinds' voice sort of uh, catches Paul, mm-hmm. and uh, this is when. The uh, the Duke turns and asks that second question: Is there a relationship between worms and spice? Uh, no, this is this is what I want to know too. Yeah, yeah, you're on the edge of. Is there a relationship? Well, times <laughs> turned to Paul. Uh kind of <laughs> turned. I'm sorry. And he saw Paul saw that his these pursed lips, and he says they defend spice sands. Each worms has a there's Teri- a little pause. Yeah, territory. As to the spice, then we have an ellipsis. Uh, so that's like an even longer. Uh, who knows? I get you know what phrase comes to mind when he says that? Lièt knows. Liet.
1: <laughs> that's what makes. Oh that's yeah, what I think Lièt knows.
0: Worm specimens we've examined lead us to suspect um, to suspect complicated chemical interchanges within them. We find traces of hydrochloric acid in the ducts. More complicated acid forms elsewhere. I'll give you my monograph on the subject. So he gets very technical at the end right. of that. After like. Clearly doing two jukes in the conversation I'm like not gonna say this Definitely not gonna say whatever the second <laughs> thing was And uh Then we kind of go on and the duke is like, pressing him. So Paul is like of Each one of these is like whoa uh, I can only imagine the all the little Micro expressions he's catching of them. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah the duke asked about shields And shields again kind Sneered he sneered at the beginning shields. when he Saw a shield Activate a shield within a warm zone and you Seal your fate Worms ignore territory lines. Come from far around to attack a so shield. you could have tons of worms in one location. Yeah. Just for a tiny belt. Just for this, whatever this yeah, whatever a shield is. Yeah. I wonder, is it a frequency? Like, is it the Holtzman? I, it's gotta be. If it's get, attracting all of them, I, it's gotta, like, something's
1: hitting them. They're, like,
0: somehow fine-tuned. Oh, interesting. So maybe they're somehow in tune with this, uh, what is it, the Holtzman, uh... Is it a particle or a field? Yeah, well, we're creating a field, but yeah. So, like, uh, they might maybe extra sensitive to it. Yeah, interesting. In, like, The way birds are to like a magnetic field, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but just it makes them go crazy. Yeah, and that's that we end up with like no man wearing a shield has ever survived such attack. <sighs> Which means a few men wearing a shield have suffered such attack. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> imagine that. Well, time. you got to find out somehow I, that uh, it doesn't work you have, that day. The friend went, "Wow." okay well <laughs> attention everyone please lay down your shields <laughs> we're gonna send that order back yeah <laughs> it's a bad call That's
1: and, wild.
0: Uh, so that we mentioned um the um what was it the samples of them worm samples in that first sentence uh he asked like how are worms taken then mm-hmm. and we get a really weird oh one. yeah because we've gotten specimens before to sort of study right we know that from, yeah, both what Yui said and then uh, worm specimens we've examined. He said, let us to suspect on the chemical analysis and right. stuff. So, yeah. But, yeah, Yui was the first one to introduce that to us, uh, telling us that they were, like, 100 meters, I think, long, these smaller kind of mm-hmm. ones. And high-voltage electrical shocks applied separately to each ring segment is the only known way of killing and, pre- and preserving an entire worm. They can be stunned and shattered by explosives, but each ring segment has a life of its own. That is barring atomics. I know of no explosive powerful <laughs> enough to destroy a, lar- uh, a large worm entirely. So right. So earthworms have like I think it's like five hearts and Ooh. they're spread throughout their body. OK. So you can actually chop a worm into five different pieces and each one will go on living and heal up and become its own worm. So I knew you could cut one in half. I didn't realize it's five. Yeah. It, always five. Uh, as far as I know. No. No, no, OK. I mean, my, my earthworm uh, sure, know how I mean, is pretty I mean, limited to like. My <laughs> follow up was going to be does it regrow them then? Oh, I don't know. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if it does. But, so nonetheless, that's cool though. That you can, So it is like uh, some separate nation. You can break it apart. Yeah. So it reminds me of that. How many souls does it have? <laughs> well, separate, well, okay. That's separate, separate, we're getting separate <laughs> philosophy podcast <we're> getting going <laughs> on. Separate. But uh, I guess the question for me is how many ring segments are on an Arrakis worm? A lot. <laughs> A lot. Yeah. I mean, I th- uh, I don't know precisely. I'll look in the. Uh, it's like. We'll maybe there's something. We're gonna see the same, yeah. same But I'm going to tell you like more than 10, I think, for sure. So you. So. High voltage electrical shock applied to. So, uh, separately to each ring segment. So you have to stun it. All parts of it at once. It's or that, vaporize it, it all at once. Right. That's, or it sounds like if you like if you did the atomic and it like vaporized half of it. Seems it's, like the other half would still be moving right away, yeah. and like definitely radiation's not going to affect it. This is very cool. Yeah, and it's huge, Mike. How did they evolve to be like that, though? We'll find out. <sighs> we'll find out. I still, I'm still trying to make sense of their diet. I feel like the let's uh, oh let's save worm theory for oh. then. All uh, oh, your great worm theory, Follow <laughs> it up into one. Because uh, I, I want to keep us going with this. Okay. Uh and trudge through. Uh because this conversation isn't over yet. All right. All this right. is this is our Bene Gesserit conversation. And now it's time for Paul, I think, to chime in. And he says, Why hasn't an effort been made to wipe them out? Well, too expensive. to get rid of all the worms? Too expensive. Oh Mike, it's too much area to cover. What are you <laughs> the talking whole about? Planet. <laughs> <laughs> whole planet. Whole pretty much. Yeah. Everywhere but the basin. <laughs> And uh, Paul leaned back in his corner. His true sense awareness of tone shadings told him that Kynes is lying and telling half-truths. And he thought, there's a relationship between spice and worms. Killing the worms would destroy the spice. And there we are. So that, um, I like that it's couched with true sense. Mm -hmm. So that it is just sort of like Frank telling you, accept that one. Don't even like worry if somebody's lying to you. This is a new fact for our world. So which is kind of why I need to pause your worm theory there. Like we have to include that in worm theory. That's yeah. got to go into that whole pile too. So um, Leto, uh, <laughs> this is when he tries to brag bra- about the whistles. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like, um, you know, because of how dangerous these worms are. Uh, you know, we are setting up. Uh, What is it? This little rescue network. And uh, everyone's going to have these transmitters and it's going to be great. Everyone's going to be able to come back home soon. And Kynes is just sort of like, oh, that's that's cute. And they like, what? <laughs> and it's all been done before. But Arrakis <sighs> is hard on equipment. You're going to have like static that's going to disrupt the transmission altogether. Mm-hmm. You're going to have these guys be dead before your ship gets out there. You're going to have like people get lost. You're going to have equipment go down. then that begs the question, like, if you do end up on the surface, how do you survive? Yeah. And Lito is asking kinds, like, what would, uh, what would you do? Uh, well, yeah, even, uh, because we get to that point where Paul's asking him, mm-hmm. but kinds like, is saying like, what would you do? And we get the sense that no one has ever asked, uh, kinds this before. Yeah. And cause he's just like, w- what <laughs> would you listen to me? He's like, mm-hmm. well, you're the planetologist. If it's not stupid, <laughs> like, tell me, what would you do? <laughs> and he just gets this one bit of advice. This is like, your like one rule for Arrakis. Never travel alone. So simple. Period. And it's like, uh, what? And then uh Garney's like, "Well, what if you go what if your thing goes down?" And uh, you know, and uh, what you know, what if anything could you do at that point?" And he's like, "Anything covers much territory," kind <laughs> said. So Paul, been in desert mode, back to the thing. He's what like, What would you do in that mode. situation? Yeah, and I love that, the precision to put the weight on Kinds, And he does this a couple times. With mm-hmm. Each time Kynes is evasive, he's like, oh, guys, have you not caught on to this? No. <laughs> it's like, What this would kid. you do, Kinds? What would a Fremen do? And Kynes uh, turns a hard stare at him. And uh, once he gets his attention back to the Duke, he says, I'd remember to protect the integrity of my still suit. Mm-hmm. If I were outside the worm zone of the rock, I'd stay with the ship. If I were down in open sand, I'd get away from the <laughs> ship. <laughs> as fast as I could. Yeah, because as soon as it sort of like uh, makes contact, those reverberations go down. That's the timer. Like a worm's going to come check that out. Yeah, he's going to investigate and be like, hey, what was that? Something went down over there. Maybe it's some more food. Because like I said, they feed off of this sort of like spice blow. That's the one thing we haven't had fully explained to right. us yet. Uh, so they're gonna come investigate anything, and he tells them if you get like a thousand meters away, that should be enough. Hide under your robe and just wait for the worm to go. And uh, they're just like, what? you just what? You just wait, <laughs> like, and then what? And he's like, then you just walk out and you just make sure for the love of God don't hit drum sand and don't hit a tidal dust basin. Right, and then we learn a little bit about what those are. And again, mm-hmm. tidal basin water. Yes, sure sort of equating uh, well, sand we- to water. Tidal dust. Yeah. I'm just saying title is describing the dust, is augmenting the dust in that word. Yeah, doesn't it uh, describe it, though, as... Well, you're saying a tidal basin. Uh, I just mean, like... It says tidal dust basin. Right, so the basin, though, is just, like, that empty expanse of land, and the dust has formed in there through tides, and then has, like, the actual tide, uh, Uh. describing, like, the motions of it within it. Uh, so just the basin is sort of like containing the fluid in the sense being dust. Okay, that is all I meant. Of uh, just to clarify, of like what title is augmenting there? Um, because yeah, he says like if you step into that, you will just be swallowed whole. Some are so fast that they have currents and tides. Right, that's yeah. so crazy. And there was another um another sand word. I it's somewhere in the glossary. I'm sure one day you'll find it. And it was like a <laughs> uh, a word for like if a canyon. Got filled with dust, oh. so it would just be like it's like a tra- it's basically like a trap you would never see. It's and like quicksand, it, basically. You, vump, you go down because it's this this much finer particle, wow. you know, in between like rock walls, but uh, from the surface you'd never tell the difference. Uh, so then drum sand. Um, I don't know if drum sand is a real formation. It sounds totally plausible to me. Uh, yeah. of Just like, you know, layers of varying um, grains of sand kind of piling up. And then it being this really static structure that your catalyst being your foot finally like breaks one layer that collapses and collapses on another. Oh, is that what that? Means? That's what I'm imagining. That is where the reverberations are coming from. Uh, otherwise, I don't understand why it would just be drumming from the second you step on it. But I'm imagining well, no, no, like uh, a souffle collapsing. What, the, what I took away from it is that the sand was just so densely compacted, it was sort of closer to solid ground, so that, that your footsteps echo, they reverberated oh. a little bit more. Okay, In uh, do you, if you have the text for it right there, does it not say that once you hit it, it will just start thumping and not stop? Uh, Let me look at something here. Sure, sure. I'm want to look it up? Okay, so this is from Scientific American, not related at all to the books whatsoever. It's an actual phenomenon, and the Mojave National Preserve has what's called booming sands. It looks like they... Make music like sounds when sand is uh, sheared. Uh, I guess by the wind. Oh, okay. So that's like a wind going over. Do yeah. That? Okay. That's a, that's sort. I get that's cool, but that's not. Uh, it's not gonna bring us to drum sand really. Mm, I guess not. I'm imagining like like a like a sand souffle. So like uh like a layer of fine dust accumulates and it's this this really carefully set house of cards mm-hmm. and then like rougher sand sets on it one grain at a time. And then creates essentially like a little dome over this and then pressure builds over that dome and then another layer of dust comes in Mm
1: -hmm. and then
0: another dome is built over it and then when you step on it you crush like one dome that falls boom and then that weight makes that second layer fall boom and then that's my drumming effect that I'm imagining that then is reverberating for a while after you do your one step in the sand. So, okay, here's my theory as to what drum sand is. Okay. All right, let me... Yeah, we're each like, we're taking a shot at drum sand today, and this might be the weirdest rabbit hole yet. Yeah, and, okay, this is by this article that I found. Uh, It has to do more with the wind, but it does make an interesting point here of how it can create this thrumming kind of sensation and sound. Okay, So, despite whatever the source of it is, if it's compacted enough and you hit it... The ground hard enough, Uh and I guess we're assuming you know always to the most extreme in this book. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a natural so extreme. Yeah, if this uh, sand is compacted super hard, almost to a ground-like state, if you step on that sand, you start sending reverberations down. Now, each speck of sand individually, it's like a billiard ball where like it starts sending out like a little like the vibration goes from one to the next. But because of how many grains of sand there are, it may not do it evenly. So it'll the sound will travel intermittently and. Uh, spaced uh differently from one another. Oh, it's about the time. It gets to someone's ears or such as the worm or whether they have like a tremor sense or something like I that. So it's it'll go get into worm. Ears. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll go.
1: <laughs> boom, 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 yes. boom, 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 Okay.
0: I like it. Yeah. That, I want to land on that. Other. All right. That should be the end all. That's cool. It. All right. Uh, we got a theory there. We're going to leave it at that. Oh yeah. I didn't see us. I didn't see that one coming. I didn't see us <laughs> going full circle, but we got there. <laughs> And then we get a Gurney Alex song. Well, to Why don't you finish that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think we need one after that. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long, Ooh. long walk for a little drink of wine, Ooh. Mike. So we have uh, then this warning of these two sands that uh, he'd hide between his room. Let's go through. And Gurney, he sings in this little song, uh, a more fitting one. This is the one I couldn't find a source for. Oh, is this the Gurney original? This might be. And it's wild beasts of the desert do hunt there, waiting for the innocent to pass. Oh, tempt not the gods of the desert, lest you seek a lonely epitaph. The perils of the... And uh, I think does it does get cut off or... Because uh, they, they start approaching a, uh, a dust cloud at that point. And uh, we chime in. And uh, about 30 kilometers ahead of us at this point, Mike, there is a yellow dust cloud spiraling up into the sky. Uh, a dust cloud that looks unlike anything else. So we know it is... Spice. Very unique. Yeah, very, uh, truly unique. And, uh, coming in, uh, we're sort of like eyeing this up and we, you know, um, there are some spotters in the sky. We see some other thought, right? So I think kinds, uh, counts out four of them and, uh, the factory's down below, uh, and these four, uh, spotters are out there. They're looking for worm sign. And, and uh, so we know we know what the spotters do. They're constantly trying to check for the worms as far out as they can go. Yep, Because that was one of our glossary game. Worlds, right. uh Way back in the day with a, a light ornithopter at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were thinking it's set That's to the go one that on goes really further far. range or yeah. fly longer or somewhere. Maybe more fuel efficiency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have a uh, four spotters with this factory. Yeah. And they're looking for a worm sign. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think we really touched on too much worm sign. I think the basic I got is just like the first appearances that a worm is coming Yeah, Uh, I mean, I trust you've seen Tremors. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cresting in the dune, you see a worm coming, that's your worm sign. Yeah. Uh, They have a few other, like, uh, advanced ways of telling it. They've got seismic probes um, Mm -hmm. on the surface, not just looking from the sky, because I guess when a worm's coming in, you can see, like, a wave of sand sort of being pushed just from the sheer mass of this thing traveling. Mm -hmm. Um, But if it's too deep for that to occur, that's what these seismic probes are for. Yeah, and it seems like they both have a blind spot in them, right? Like each of them can miss, but you might as well have everything. I wonder else. how far the probes can detect. Uh well, clearly not three kilometers, because uh, <laughs> I think it's about how far we are when uh, we pump the brakes on our ship—three or four hundred. Squ- no, wait, no mind. Uh that's the uh, that's area. Oh uh, yeah, so the territory of a worm is uh, three to four hundred kilometers squared. Right, so and if, that's that's uh, that's a question that. Paul asked. Paul, Paul was asking, yep. And Dr. Kynes is just like, what? This kid just keeps asking, like, <laughs> very odd question. and adult questions. Not not what he would expect from this 15-year-old waterfat boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we're rolling up, we also look around. There should be a, uh, a carry-all uh, up in the sky as well. Oh, yeah, because the carry-all picks up the factory. Yep. And it's like uh, the extraction method. So right. those were the three things we saw on the uh, hollow projection. Right, right. And they go the thopter. The carry all and the harvester, mm-hmm. uh, were their bits. So uh this point the brakes kick in. Yeah. Our Thopter banks and mm. turns around. Our escort that's been with us this whole time, shoom flies forward. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh whoa, God. on. And the Duke, uh he just points over to the side and is just like that worm sign? Yeah. <laughs> that way that way <laughs> Is look, that worm side? <laughs> is this what everyone's so busy yeah. looking for right now? um which kind of you ever see that uh there's a great it's always sunny moment where um frank goes up to help a kid he's like can't get the paper he's like oh what's wrong with the printer He's like, oh there's a paper jam oh there's a paper jam in there oh let me take a look and he pulls the paper out and he's like oh is this it and the guy's like yeah thank you he's like oh did i just do your job for you is that what i just
1: did <laughs> did i just do your job for
0: you <laughs> So I mean, maybe he's a little more Harkonnen. I would just love to see him get on the. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what he's like in this. Did I just do this, guys? Because it's not hard. Uh, but he spots it. I mean, we're gonna chalk it up to how quickly he uh, picked out that eagle from the sky. Right. This guy is he's on amped. A full alert. Yeah. Interest, uh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, little big. A uh, little bit about the ship. Um, the ship transforms a bit depending on what like flight mode it's in. Yeah. Okay, so he says he puts it into full thopter mode. Yeah, the ship bucked. Uh, as its tail pods whispered to silence, mm-hmm. stubbed wings elongated and cupped the air. So it actually does change, sort of like how it. Uh... Yeah, well, I just imagine the uh, so those engines on the side to stop, mm-hmm. and those have probably been running a little hot this whole time, a little thrust uh, getting us going, and then the wings sort of more like a like an actual airplane guiding and right. playing off the. Um, aerodynamics and now it's sort of like uh yeah the fan metal is a little more extended, right. a little more bent and is sort of doing this like bumblebee like motion in the sky right. now and uh it probably has like a little like up and down way to it yeah um, yeah yeah uh less stable than like a helicopter but mm. uh it's probably gonna be super fuel efficient this is the design that gone right. for thousands of years now and looks so cool uh so it's just yeah it's just doing this little circular motion now up in the sky holding out we're uh three kilometers from the factory now we were 30 just a minute ago we we were going pretty fast then if that's how we just bucked and stopped oh wow from the beginning of that conversation to now we've just done 27 kilometers i guess i, I didn't give enough yeah 30 kilometers Ugh. like when we saw the dust cloud we were 30 kilometers so right at the end of that song all we had was uh them talk about the spotters and boom, we're already here wow uh, so we were cruising and we were two kilometer two thousand meters up mm-hmm. uh so two kilometers up and um that's fast that's yeah, fast fast and high so rum, and now we're just in this holding thing so that i think also gives us feeling for the brakes of how Can I you know. imagine just like yeah being th- sort of thrust and thrown i think wait was, is gurney wearing a seat belt? <laughs> he is right now yep. <laughs> okay. there are still seats in the doctor those are going to be gone <laughs> well, thought, soon okay i thought he like oh he got actually, like pulled up to the I'm front sorry. a little bit right <laughs> he is gurney halleck who, who knows <laughs> he might not wear a seat <laughs> they don't mention the part where Gurney gets jettisoned through the windshield <laughs> He just hold it on oh, the no. front. I'm fine, boss. <laughs> you wouldn't say a word of complaint. <laughs> uh, so we have this uh, worm sign. Kynes goes ahead and he picks up the comms unit and we call in Delta Ajax Niner. Okay. It's going to be our call sign for right. the crawler down there. And he tells him, like, hey, this worm, 25 minutes away, off to the northeast, three kilometers, take a look. Mm-hmm. And uh, they run some things up and just kind of, they're really calm about it. More yeah. That puts uh, Lido and Gurney off a little bit. Like, what's the, uh, they're really not taking this, this big news. <laughs> and uh, the people on the thing deal? are just like, well, it's 26 minutes out. You guys are really accurate. Who is up there right now? Because an unmarked flight is all they have. Right. And uh, this is where Gurney... If he did, if he had a seatbelt, it's off now. <laughs> yeah, He goes up. To, he is basically in the middle seat up front. I'm just like, before you say anything, who's listening right now? Like who could possibly be down there? And he is assessing the risk and potential of the Harkonnens, like overhearing them or ambushing them at this mm-hmm. point, because we're going to reveal that it was Leto that called that worm sign. Uh, and we tell everybody down there that it was your Duke and uh they go, okay, the Duke gets the bonus. And they Ger- say it very flatly, like, oh, great. <laughs> the Duke well, gets more money. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I yeah. think they would, too. i <laughs> yeah. like, rah, the last thing I expected was someone just coming and take our money away. Yeah. And uh, then Gurney leans forward and is just like, and by the way, tell them to distribute the bonus amongst themselves. Uh, and then a lo- this is just a great little Duke of like we're just messing with Kinds all day today. <laughs> you know, He's just, just like yeah. kind The Duke says, uh, "I forgot to mention that G- Gurney is also talented in public relations."
1: <laughs> Kearns
0: turned a, pu- a puzzled frown on Alec. So we've gone <laughs> like, to just, really like really this a guy frown to like okay, you're moving up in my estimation. I still kind of hate you. though. Know? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and uh, so now we're. Um, I think we're just waiting for the carry all at this point. And we're kind of we're not making any moves, just uh, watching the scene unfold. And um, so Kynes directs Leto to fly closer to the factory. Since we're out here to look at this whole spice endeavor, we're going to wait for the carry all. It's going to be a minute. We have 26 minutes, you know, fly in, take a look at this. So we come around and we describe uh, very much that structure we saw on the hollow projection where it's this like inverted cone tucked down into the sand, sucking it all up, moving it along into this um, uh, cylindrical uh, separator that's just uh, spraying out all the sand and dust yeah, after it's, it's pulled using, out Yeah, it's like, spice. centripetal force to, like... Mm-hmm. It's basically a giant centrifuge, right? Yeah, exactly, uh, mounted on the back of this thing. And then it just spews up all the waste, and it's collecting uh, the spice on the inside. And uh, Lito was kind of wondering, like, you know, we just had a staff meeting. I was there. Uh, he said two carry-alls for every transport yeah. we're gonna do where's the second carry-all and the guy kinds of, i like is telling him like dude you don't have enough equipment or people for like, or, yeah he's, too, he's like... trying to say that until he gets interrupted <laughs> uh, my question or I guess here's the thing mm-hmm. um you said that spice miners have to be out there for a couple days usually yeah it was like uh, two days so th- i mean they haven't been given the order like carry-all hasn't been the carry-all was already dispatched with stuff they didn't send another one just uh that like, morning did they they went out with one carry the carry all brought that factory there. right yeah but there's no way they would have known like in a day that duke's gonna want two carry all's there oh oh yeah, yeah oh i get what you're saying yeah uh it is possible that they left um they could have left this morning um because so it sounded like kynes told them where to go Right. Because I directed your Sandmaster to go out this place. When we flew out and we were going over the shield wall, mm-hmm. he told him to go there. So I wonder if, um, now that we're kind of building up his kinds, having this uh, Fremen tap in, mm-hmm. if he had a source and knew there was a good, you know, a spice plot was out like there. Like someone let him know. Yeah, like uh, my, an actual um, spice prospector, like a Fremen spice proctor found this. Oh, us, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we can do this. It's a sure thing. And we can make this and all happen. And it's close so Right, yeah, that being the other thing, close and I know about it. Um but otherwise, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they've been out there for a day, maybe they've just been looking, they just found something, but uh I think I think you're right of like it is a. it seems a little want to like expect there to be two carryalls today. Yeah. Uh when we like that meeting ended ended terribly but six <laughs> hours ago. Yeah. Uh six or eight, I guess, depending on how far into the day we are. Um so, yeah, the comms come on, and we learn the carry-all is nowhere to be found. We uh, run through the motions. All the spotters are calling in one by one. We find out. Uh, so there one is called spotter control, and then you have the other ones. Mm-hmm. And no one knows where this carry-all went. Uh, carry-all's got a crew of a couple people on it, too. That's uh, That means 26 minutes to find this carry-all. No, less to find it, because we need to get it there. Right. Pick and- everything up and Go. Yeah, so your plan I don't even think was considered. Finding the carry-all was not an option. It's like too much time. Yeah, I think Leto, he immediately sees 26 of his men on the ground. He sees 26 dead men. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I think yeah, lives in his hand at this moment Mm -hmm. of like, I'm out here, I'm in command this is my job. And I love that right away because his plan evolves Uh, once we we land, we change the plan, but like, you never hear him changing it. Mm -hmm. He's just like adjusting to the moment. So right away he's like, look we have four spotters. We have five thopters in our party. Those are light ones. They can each hold two. These are heavier ones. We can each hold three. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's 23 of the 26. That's what we're doing. And he gets on and he just gives those orders. I'm yeah. Those guys, Get out. This is what I can do. We're rescuing you right now. I'll be down on the ground in a minute. This guy under pressure. Like he he can act. Like it's no wonder he's gotten his uh, nicknames mm-hmm. over time. And I, I do also like the little touch of that. We're uh, we're constantly quitching, uh, switching between the two channels. Yeah. Of like the guard of his escort is on one like uh, encrypted kind of channel, and then we have the worker channel. Yeah. And the workers also have a third channel for the carryall, which we're not on well, at all. Why don't we just have one channel? <laughs> Open comms in an emergency. <laughs> like, everyone switch to channel seven, <laughs> right now. And uh, so no one's uh, getting out right now. And uh, finally, like uh, the Duke is on there, and he's like, "Damn the spice!" The Duke barked. First time in Iraq is that word's ever been spoken and uh he grabs back the microphone and we can always get more spice there are seats they, in they, our ships for all but three of you they Draw. don't want to straws or decide any way you like <laughs> but, but we're you... coming in <laughs> like, but you're going <laughs> like that's it they don't want to <laughs> abandon it though because it's a full load apparently yeah. well i just love even in that order though he's like three of you are dead let's go and like we'll figure it out right. no remorse no nothing like because i'm saving so many of you and, yeah, uh, none of them are willing to give up their thing. Uh, but I also love this little bit where he slams the microphone back in Kynes' hands and muttered, sorry. Kynes' <laughs> <It's Yeah. Kind's laughs> shook an injured finger. Yeah, <laughs> That is, um, I believe that's the one injury from the day, is Kynes' finger. Once yep. it, once everything's all said and yeah. done. Uh, so... We come down and we land. So now we're in like a great action scene to this point. And we, I remember kind of like skidding down on the sand. Uh, the guards are on one side and the spotters the, the, are on the on other the side, which I think is also an interesting tactical decision mm-hmm. of just like the level of trust we're gonna put all these guys on that side because one, I don't know if you're a Harkening agent. I'm right. gonna I'm gonna bank on your not right, but like, right, let's right. Not just even, in case. Not even entertain the possibility. And uh, landing next to the factory, I think this is when we're kind of like described as like gnats coming down next to this giant structure. I, I didn't realize how much bigger it was than a Thopter. Yeah, gnats to it. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, uh, it's about um a hundred and twenty meters long. So this is like an entire football field. Uh, the factory. I feel like it's bigger than that. No, the factory crawler. Yeah. Nope. Hundred. I, I mean, we have. Because I feel like the Thopter is pretty sizable. Thop I mean, the Thopter is only like two meters, though. So. Yeah, but I don't like. Okay, let's say a I'm car. Saying, yeah. Compared to a football field, does not think that doesn't remind me of a gnat. Okay, I I think it's enough. I think it's close enough. I don't think of know. how many cars you can fit in a football field. Uh, Come on. I don't know. I think I think that uh I don't know. That doesn't well, do it for me. Let's wait till the third guy enters the scene and <laughs> we'll yeah. talk scale. But uh we've got nine minutes at this point. Uh of what left? Yeah. Is that uh when we start doing some math? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as soon as uh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, Kynes we, hurts his finger. Well we get we get we get down to math once that first guy the last guy jumps in the ship. Uh is when Leto tells him, like, "Oh, kinds no actually how much time do we have? <laughs> but no, but, no, uh, no he has it right now. Uh how much Oh, Paul asks, how much time? Nine minutes says Kynes. Ooh, oh, oh, so Kynes is keep a tally early yeah. on. Yeah, I think I missed that first one then. Um, So, yeah, and uh, Leto, I think is this where, yeah, he's augmenting the plan now. As yeah. Once we land down, he's sort of like, no, you know what? Get rid of the shield generators. Toss all those out, and then we can all take an extra man. We're good to go. And uh, Kynes is telling him, like, sir, you sure it's soft sand? Gurney's like, that could snap a wing. And this is where Leto's like, this is my ship. Don't worry. She's good. We're getting off the ground. I know exactly what this this thopter can do. (laughs) And so, you know, he tells Gurney, you and Paul toss out the rear seat. And uh, he manually cranks the wings out to three quarters. So I, I hope that is very much like an old window crank and it's, it's a little resistance. It takes some force. You don't do it often and he gets it out. He's this doctor is just an old Winnebago. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's definitely like it's a, a little it's, fuzzy it's, dice. I think it's definitely not an automatic. I think it's a stick because uh, then he sets the angle personally. He checks the jet pod controls and he's like, why the devil aren't they coming out of the machine? They're just sitting there, yeah. So he gets back on the comms again, and this is a great Duke it's moment like, of like, um, he's telling them these other guys, like, take care of all of that, and then, uh, to the Thopters, he keys back over on the frequency to Delta Ajax and Niner. And all right, you and Delta Ajax and Niner out now. This is a command from your Duke on the double, or I'll cut the crawler apart with a <laughs> laser gun. <laughs> it's like, whoa three different hatches pop open (laughs) simultaneously. (laughs) And the men, like, tumble out of the ship.
1: We're
0: out. And, uh, the last one, it comes out in, like, a patched working robes and starts, like, directing these men off. So we get the feeling, this is the Sandmaster. This is the guy actually in charge of all these people. And he's pairing them off as the Duke is sort of, like, gesturing numbers Mm. to him. And you get a real sense of that, like, this is, like, getting faster and faster paced as this chapter swirls. And, uh, the aircraft all began flapping off and they're taking uh, off into the air and we get this really cool scene come in that I've never caught before and the Duke remembers back to a scene on Caladan and we're going to go back to the jungles of Caladan for a brief image and it reminded the Duke of a time on his plant, uh, on his home planet's jungles, a sudden emergence into a clearing and carry on birds lifting away from the carcass of a wild ox. Mm. That is them all leaving this, not even, I mean, this essentially this uh factory is dead now it's you know we're yeah, already we're abandoning it. it abandoned ship and these birds are just gonna ha as this bigger predator comes in so no seats in the thopter now <laughs> yeah and they even like removed a seat like, i think um he tells them tell paul and Gur- gurney to remove like one of the seats in there to like make more room yep to, like cr- cram people in there and i think doesn't he have he tells the other uh like, guard ships that he has on them to remove their shield generators. Yeah, yeah. So we're throwing out which I love. He's catching on to now. It's uh, like, we're not going to need them anyways out here. Nope, they are all useless. And, uh, but it is, so now Paul and Gurney are coming back there. And we go in three more workers, too. So everyone is elbow to elbow. Uh, mushed them all, if you will. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's not what that means. That's <laughs> not what that was. <laughs> no. And, uh, Paul notices, um, because Paul is such a narc. He does, like <laughs> two of these guys have poor neck seals, and he's like, I'm gonna have to tattle on them. Like, later. I'm gonna keep yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, you know, it's just gonna lead the men in bad if you don't get disciplined this now, it's just gonna yeah. get more relaxed. it's probably not the best time though. <laughs> At least he does have the conscience <laughs> yeah. to be like, oh wait, but still, I think it's kinda petty. <laughs> so uh the last man, he piles in panicking. I'm like, we need to go now! <laughs> it's here, it's gonna eat us all. And I feel like very I just imagine him with like a teacup in his hand, like being out and he's like, "Oh, kinds, how much time do we I have? How have much time do we?" Think like, three minutes. So just like, oh, What's All this, right. this man rambling on about? And he's like, "Very cool one, this Duke. Like level-headed in a yeah, in a crisis." So I think we've sort of ascended now to that. That's that. Uh, I think we're impressed by the Duke yeah. at this point. Uh, I I think everything is settled into kinds, and maybe maybe he's gonna give uh, Gurney a pass, but mm. we'll see by the end of the chapter. And uh, so that thopter, it makes it off the ground. It is a stretch. Uh, the wings are straining. I think the whole vessel's creaking. We have all these smelly men jammed back there, <laughs> getting like pressed into the back as it takes off. Yeah. Uh, Paul, fortunately, is jammed into a window. Otherwise, I think the next scene would have been really boring. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get to see the worm. But uh, the worm uh, kind of lets us know. Like the crest is gone. We can't like, see we can't it. Can't see it. We can hear it though. Mm-hmm. It's under the factory. All oh, the sound it makes though. I would love to like hear some sort of audio sample of that. So I think I would describe it as sort of like a, like a grinding, like a like an abrasive slithering sound. Yes. And then you also feel the charge in the air. Because remember, it's yeah, i um, ionize. Ionic, what? Mm- nope. Uh, what are you I, ionizing? You know, <laughs> <laughs> the ground is a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> um, the ground as it goes by because it's just like a magnet, you know, it's stroking all everything in the same direction. Oh, oh, so yeah, it's just creating it it so much static sort of shock. Yep, yeah. uh, and you can just feel it through it. So uh, this one, I think, just deserves the paragraph out for us. Our first worm, mic Flecks of dust shadowed the sand around the crawler. Now the big machine began to tip down to the right. A gigantic sand whirlpool began forming there to the right of the crawler. It moved faster and faster. Sand and dust filled the air now for hundreds of meters around. Then they saw it. A wide hole emerged from the sand. Sunlight flashed from glistening white spikes within it. The hole's diameter was at least twice the length of the crawler, Paul estimated. He watched as the machine slid into that opening. In a billowing of dust and sand, the hole pulled back. Now, a Harvester factory mic, 120 meters long. That hole is 240 meters in diameter. So you can drop, Mike. I assume you would want to know this. The entire Washington Monument on its side—it's <laughs> just a snack. Just goes right in. That's crazy. Now, the Eiffel Tower—it's gonna jam its mouth open. You can't <laughs> swallow it full. It can do two thirds though. That's the limit. What if it goes like top down? Oh, top down, done. <laughs> you need the whole thing. Um, um, and also, then- it was uh, spokes, not spikes. Spoke. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, 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 it is spokes on there. Sorry. Uh, so those are uh, obviously the Chris Knives. Yeah, uh, or Chris Knives, the teeth. Chris Knives to be the sandworm <laughs> teeth. Future Chris Knives. But just think how? To, I wonder how big they are. I was gonna say, imagine how many there are. They, they all sort of glisten and glint. Uh, they must light all, off the that sun low from themselves. That milky. White oh yes, light. even from the sun, they create their own light somehow, don't they? Yeah, that was what it was. I very much like is, opalite, kind of. Do you think it's like uh, like a bacteria thing, sort of like the glow globes? Ah, uh, I, 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 I mean, I, I would chalk it up to a spice thing. J- okay, it's the more mysterious uh, uh, kind of entity. Those worms love their spice, apparently. They do. So a full load of spice, a handful will buy you a home on two, two pile. pile. Yeah. How much spice can a, a uh, factory hold? I remember we were looking at silo after silo after silo. Like the amount of spice the universe needs is enormous. The amount of spice one person needs is so small. It's so interesting that uh, Arrakis hasn't run out of this resource. I'm wondering if it's possible for Arrakis to even run out of this resource because I think that there it's uh, it has some sort of biological ooh, ooh, worm theory. Oh goddamn! <laughs> uh, you almost got me because you're talking <laughs> <about> spice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're so close, Mike. <laughs> I just want to talk about. I know. I, so. <laughs>
0: Uh, we need to get to this whole yeah, uh, okay. factory crawler's okay. gone Mike we only have like seven we Mike. lost it uh, remember how oh yeah were- we only have a handful <laughs> yeah very few are in working order so the others like- are all about to break down Ledo Vow's Revenge Someone Someone's is going responsible to pay for this. Someone's responsible for this. Mm-hmm. This was intentional. This was not an accident. We don't know where that carry-all is still. No, and how do we lose a carry-all? Yeah. They're, they're huge. If they pick up a factory, they've <laughs> got to be big. It's huge. <laughs> it's bigger than a factory. Uh in the fight, but in the silence that followed, they hear Kynes muttering something. Oh. And he says, Bless the maker and his water. Bless the coming and going of him. May his passage cleanse the world. May he keep the uh, keep the world for his people. Cleanse, Mike. I know. I caught that. That one's got to. And uh, Duke's like, "Hey, uh, what's <laughs> 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 what he saying? What are you saying?" Duke says. But Kynes remained silent. Now, and, uh, okay. Well, Paul glanced at the men crowded around him. They were steering. They were staring fearfully at the back of Kynes' head. One of them whispered, Liet? Kynes, and Kynes- turned, <laughs> scowling. The man sank back, abashed. Yeah. Okay, so here, here's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. This is definitely. I feel like we have learned Dr. Kind's personality, his inner thoughts, mm-hmm. like what he really th- thought of the uh, the Duke and uh, Gurney and Paul back when. I, yes, I'll send Stilgar to you know bring Duncan's head to yep. the Duke. I, I'm pretty sure this guy's lit. I, I think you're missing one other thing. You could add in there. You know the word for. Um, What's uh, Maker? Well, yeah, here's the thing. I thought Maker was the name for a knife. You told me it wasn't. So is Maker the name for a worm? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's it make, though, Derek? What does it make? Uh, Nonetheless, though, uh, just so you know the religious significance where Mapes put that and Jessica stopped there. Jessica didn't want to say Maker. She wanted to say Maker of Death. Right. Mate's paused her and let us know maker is the word of significance. And now we're seeing kinds replicate it. Yeah. And say it here. And give it to us in much greater context too. In uh in the book, it's all like uh Maker and his, are Mm -hmm. and he is always capitalized. That that was going to be the thing I just pointed out. It's very reminiscent from the Bible and talking about God as a divine being, Mm -hmm. always he. And I I don't think there's any way we can uh, separate his from being the worm in this No, I think it's definitely the worm. But here's the thing. Bless the maker and his water. Mm -hmm. Now, you alluded that worms don't like water. Water will kill a worm. Scout's honor. I don't know if you're lying to me anymore. I'm not lying to you at all. (laughs) But I guarantee you that uh, everything about that is 100% accurate. Bless, Bless the maker, maker and his water. water. Yes, sir. Heinz murmured, oh, man. Bless his coming and the going of him. May, May his passage, passage cleanse the, the world. world. May he keep the world for his people. Interesting. Very interesting. interesting. Very good. Uh, but yeah, so I was happy to see cleanse, and I think that's really hit home. Of We, we now got that one totally threshed out. And uh, yeah, this Liette. Uh, the Liette there was that final... I think now, that's the hammer in the coffin. It, could, it could, in the context but. of everything just happened, one of them could just be saying like, "Oh God, like mm-hmm. my God." But the fact that Leah turns around scowling and a man looks abashed, like th- there's no other reason why he would do that other than like you're not supposed to say that here, right? And we well, we know that's the threshold because of Lisa Al Ghaib. Yeah. And, like, we kind of have an idea of what that one at least means and is. And mm. we know the prophecy all applies to Paul. So, we're, like, kind of all pulling it together and be like, wait a second. And, uh... Yeah. Is that his name? Is he Juliet? I, I don't know. He, he didn't respond it. Oh, Derek! He just scowled. Out, oh! I'll oh, oh, that damn. Frank reveal that one. I thought I could try and get it from you. Not quite. I slip up plenty of times <laughs> <laughs> otherwise. Yeah. So, uh... The Sandmaster, like I said, he was that guy in the robes, the robes that they at least bothered to describe, just kind of mm-hmm. patched and boarded him. He uh, starts thanking Leto of just, like, it's pretty genuine, too. I didn't yeah. take anything back. And Alec is just like, man, just let the duke fly. Right, right, right. What are you doing? And then Paul, like, sort of like, oh, what? Oh, dad is mad. <laughs> like, <laughs> the duke is in a rage right now. Yeah. And we're measuring by tension on the jaw. All and the money, all of the, the resources that... tool itself okay i i i don't think the money was the problem no in a part it is because when but like in the list of priorities i i don't think i don't think leto ever prioritizes money no but ultimately Mm. if he doesn't follow through on the money that's when thing. That's when the land oh, yeah, on him. That's fair to uh, to go back to uh, how he views the world. Right. Actually, uh, when he was talking to Kinds, of like, money. money needs to be the way that I is the uh, the kind so, of lever I can use to do it. Well, so I, I agree, you are, Yeah, it's you probably are. not the best, like most important thing. I definitely think it's a factor. Mm-hmm. The factory itself is a huge loss as well, because they only have a couple that work. Mm-hmm. I also just think. Um, I wonder how much of it is the threatening threatening his people were like they just tried to kill his people mm-hmm. like the Harkonnen attack on his right. workers um more so than like like a spice and like uh cuz we saw how much he treasured getting ex- experienced workers and i don't think that was necessarily just for them to be able to do the job but like to have building up an army of capable people and exchanging loyalty Do you think it was way. the Harkonnens who did it? Who did what this uh kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, we'll actually uh, get that fully un- unravelled in the next chapter. Okay, uh, we'll start talking about like what ha- we'll find out what happened to that Okay. Okay, uh, if you want to even put a more precise point. Well, on Well, I was wondering if what maybe did- it was uh, the Fremen. I was gonna say like, what did you want to speculate on then? If uh, did you have a theory besides the Harkonnens? Yeah, the Harkonnens no. are the only one we're presented with. I didn't. I honestly don't think it was Harkonnens. I thought it might have been the Fremen. I and- like it. Do you not think the Harkonnens are capable of it? <laughs> like, is it just? Uh, <laughs> is it like kind of a diss on them? No, I mean I. Uh... I think it's completely capable. Like uh, Piter, we've seen how his mind sort of uh, goes into uh, plans within plans within plans. We like he's, set, we'll yeah, he's it setting yes. things up. Um, I'm uh, I'm thinking it was the Fremen. And more specifically, I think maybe Dr. Kynes was responsible. Now, okay. th- to, to what end? Do you think uh, he's regretting well, it first, by the end? Yeah, I think he is. <laughs> okay. The first paragraph is like he's ordered to betray these people. Oh, okay. You think... And just like, he's the one that said, go to this spice blow. Yeah. Do you think that betrayal was the carry all or the emperor's like instruction? I, I, definitely... I think the emperor's instruction. But uh-huh. like, I think like this could a, be a, a thing. dual meaning to yeah. it. Yeah, sure. I mean, we have a guy who does do two two leaders. One I yeah. have two meanings to his betrayal. Add on to it. Okay, Fremen, for it's an interesting twist. But Ooh. I mean, it was it was just a, a theory because mm-hmm. like none of those are his men. Uh, What do you mean? Uh, what, Letos? No, Dr. Kynes. He doesn't have, like, control over, uh, any of the people down there. Uh... So it's not okay. any loss to him. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, like, uh, of the Atreides workers, so yeah, to speak? Yeah. Uh, kind of. We're gonna see some people hop off this, uh... Yeah. San Carlo that might well, throw the, a little wrench in that idea, Well, no, right? oh, I don't know, but maybe they, uh, they were part of the plan or something. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> do deep fake on yeah. this. Uh, it was all a scam. But... Uh, It was actually a good transition to this kind of point where, like, as we're flying away from the stopper, we've rescued all 26 people, right? That's all that was on there. We got a head count, too. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, Sandmaster, yeah, he passed them all off. Yeah. We see two figures uh, fluttering away after the worm leaves. And uh, I think Paul Paul sees them, or is it they all do? Um, Uh, As they're flying by. Yeah, uh, I think so. Pretty sure it was Paul's. Either way, somebody points him out though. And like, uh or it might even be Leto. And Leto's just like uh, Oh yeah, it was it was the Duke. Uh he wants to send a ship for them I'm like, yeah, oh you guys we'll send a ship. And kinds, of, I love this. It's just sort of like, don't worry about it. And that's so that one yeah. was kind of out of character. Of like, what? Like, you, <laughs> you just met. You've been with this guy. Like, he's not just gonna not send a shit. Right. You can't just be like, don't, don't worry about them. They'll die. It's fine. Like, it's if, fine. if you want, but like, they'll, they'll be no one to rescue by the time they're here. They'll be gone. And uh, Paul senses again half truth and lies, and immediately copulations come into place. And yeah. like, those are fremen, and he's watching them move specifically, and Lightly. he's in move lightly, specifically to not attract a worm, he thinks. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes that connection there. And uh, he, uh, kinds and the, the Sandmaster, I also get a feel. Oh, I'm sorry. We kind of glossed over when the Sandmaster got in. He's mm-hmm. got eyes, Mike. He's got special eyes. What? He's got eyes that are blue within blue within blue. With the Sandmaster? Yeah. Why? No, okay. I noticed this when reading. Uh, I thought it was... I didn't realize it was the Sandmaster himself. Why did Frank Herbert decide to go blue within blue within blue? Just because of the plans within plans within plans motif? I think to really hit home what I'm about to suggest here. Okay. Because Kynes and the Sandmaster are the two that lie to Paul in this instance. And they both are trying to tell him not to consider these men. Don't even talk about it. And uh, I think... um, When uh, Paul kind of mentions it, like, the guy turns to everyone else, and he's like, why is this kid suggesting they were Fremen on the ship? (laughs) Right. sort of like, I was half expecting Gurney to pop in and be like, you You will will address (laughs) the Ducal (laughs) heir. Somebody is going to listen to me today (laughs) if it's the last thing I do. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: But, like, they're both trying to spin this tale that Paul, he can see right through because he has the true sense with it. And uh, they just tell him, like, they're just two friends from a village that wanted to see Spice Sand. Like, it's nothing. Who doesn't want to go out for a job that could kill you any day for fun? It's cool. (laughs) Um, And uh, then, Kindzo, you got that one ready to go? We got another word of the legend going. We we actually missed one as well. Did we? Yeah, we did. But that's okay. I'll tell you you that in a bit. The one we get right now here, though, is... uh, the Lisan Al-Gaib shall see through all subterfuge. All subterfuge. Like, he knows, like, I, I, I know those are Fremen. <laughs> like, who else <laughs> is that going to be? Yeah, and then they just try to, like, follow this up with, like, well, they're just going to die out there. Well, that begs then, the question. What were they doing on the crawler, Derek? What were they doing on the crawler? K- I, I bet Kynes knows. Oh, I know Kynes knows. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what, do you, what? let's go back to our uh, prophecy that we missed. The one we missed before was uh, when putting on the uh, the still suit. Oh, okay, and that it was he shall know your ways as though born to them, and that was like Paul, uh, yeah, because he has like, naturally. oh, how, who told you how to do this? Like, no, no one just seemed the right way to do it. And that day, like, okay, man. and uh, it's like, yeah, they're telling uh, they're telling Paul that these guys are gonna die out there, and they uh, try to lay on another lie with kind of menace. And I love this line that Kynes points out, uh, because this one, this puts the hair on the back of the Duke's neck, makes stands up. When God hath ordained a creature to die in a particular place, He causeth that creature's wants to direct Him to that place, and that is Lido's entire last night. I'm just like, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Uh, well, I mean, like this is this is directly what the Emperor's done. Yeah, he has directed him like you are going to this place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I, I, not even, uh, I think the Emperor is sort of like, uh, again, God orchestrating. But yeah, it seems like every event around him is pushing him. So he has no other choice. Right. Even, uh, well, no, he does. No, Here's no. I, I think he would even admit that he has chosen and wants to come here. That's what I'm saying. He, because he thinks he can win. He, he had 2 yeah. pile, but it's his desire to beat him. Mm-hmm. To win. But like the insinuation here that it's sort of like God makes you want that. What is it that uh, Lady Margot said in her letter? A proximity to too, an appealing thing. No, uh, too much, uh, proximity to too much of, of a desired, desired thing. Yep. In that path. Lies, uh, lies danger. danger. Yeah. I think that's sort of like, uh, that's like the warning to this. Uh, that's sort of like the opposite to this. No, it's sort, it's sort of the same thing. Just lying too... An proximity too to a desired thing. uh uh-huh. God uses a creature's wants to direct them. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, Of yeah. like, uh, yeah, you, uh... You you misjudge in that circumstance and stuff. And yeah. Like, yeah. And it, it's all just that you're being pushed here. You're being corralled here. Yeah. And like, despite all your uh, best in, motivations and uh, thoughts, like, yeah, you still end up making this decision in this call. But, uh, you yeah, know, Leto turns to Kynes and har- uh, stares hard and Kinds returns the stare. And there's just sort of silence between them. Yeah. Oh, I love. Yeah. And he uh, he was troubled by the fact he had observed here. This duke was concerned more over his men than he was over the spice. Another first on Arrakis. Yeah. Uh, That can't have happened often. And, you know, he's this loyalty that uh, the duke is able to garner, how he treats his men, this is all coming home to kinds now. He's seen this firsthand. This is fanatic loyalty that this is going to garner. He risked his own life and that of his son to save these men. Mm-hmm. Passed off his spice crawler with like just a simple gesture. With a gesture, yeah. And he's like He would be difficult to defeat. And again, always love in the end. This is a, we've only had the one miss of an end of a chapter. Right. We bring it back with this one against his own will and all previous judgments. Kinds admitted to himself. I like this Duke. And that is how chapter 15 closes. It's pretty good. It's so good. That was our spice journey. We watched Kynes go completely from a uh, start to beginning of how he feels about the Atreides. We're like, he's hating them. He's going to kill Duncan Idaho in the beginning of this chapter. <laughs> Apparently. Duncan, yeah. you're safe now. Stilgar <laughs> would have killed you by day's end if we had gotten home and he was still mad. <laughs> that is... Duncan, welcome to the... Hold on, I have a phone call. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Duncan. Bad news. Oh, oh
1: Duncan. <laughs>
0: Oh, oh my mm. Would Duncan have killed I don't know Do who you think Stilgar add. or Duncan in a fight would win I don't know Duncan, Really Duncan's wily I guess I don't know Stilgar My question all that is uh, I don't think Stilgar Regardless Let's say Duncan He gets the upper hand He kills Stilgar mm-hmm. I don't think he's making it out of that CH alive. No, no. Well he might take 18 of them <laughs> I was, I was going to say 19 <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was going to give him one more ah. <laughs> He's got a record to beat um, It's like an old arcade game <laughs> <No>. <laughs> He goes Duncan I know <laughs> <laughs> He's on the top scores <laughs> Dung. <Yeah. laughs> Done. <laughs> oh! That'd be good. So he finishes everything. Oh my, that was uh, an an immensely long chapter. Yeah, though. there's no time for a deep dive. So, do we have any time for worm theory? We do have time. I, always have time <laughs> for, I, I shut you down twice. We well, have time for worm theory. <laughs> All right. What did you piece together? We had crazy info come in. Yeah. like the rings are individually alive. Yeah, we can't destroy them. Save with nukes. Um. We, and you can stun them, but you have to do every single ring together. That's to take one whole. Yeah. 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 Uh, otherwise, it seems like I think it would break apart or something would happen if you like you did half of it. No, and, I just don't think you'd be able to. I think it would like thrash. Yeah. 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 Like, I think it would be either break or like drag itself away. Yeah. Wh- whatever happens to those intersections of it. Um, and that it's like a, a hydrochloric acid on the inside and that's even churning. even uh, more dangerous acids. it says too mm-hmm. in other forms of which its, makes sense if you're eating uh if you're eating a, you're eating a uh, spice factory it's probably not gonna digest <laughs> pretty well <Yeah. laughs> like you probably need to have something strong in yeah, there yeah you got good uh, but uh diameter mouth 240 meters of uh, and this was a big worm according to Kynes. yep and we have our larger ones we've known are 400 meters long at this point so. that's oh my gosh so where, that's where, like half, where, where are you even starting that's for half memory? the size the maw alone is half the size of like yeah i mean we don't know how stretched one. out that maw was too if it was like are we You're the, oh like, is it a gape or is it just like does it just open? no i think that one like, was pretty big no no but i'm saying like is that the static diameter or does like it open up wider it, it might than the it, diameter i mean of its it body? might but that's still like a huge uh, it's, um, yeah yeah giant um <laughs> It's building inside. Although, okay, you know, like how the, you uh, you know, like fish on that Geo uh, in slow motion when they like eat a fish or like a smaller fish. Their mouths will open up yeah, incredibly well, huge. Like, like a snake that can uh, de- uh, detach like its a jaw. Yeah. Yeah, and they stretch it over its prey and go, right. rum, rum, rum. Okay, that's, that, that makes sense. That's a good way to look at it. Could just be a, a reason for why that uh, proportion is so weird. Here's the thing. We didn't actually really see the worm. We just no. saw the glistening of its teeth. We did. That's... A little disappointing. It's, it's a little tease. It's a it's a little disappointing, admittedly. But yeah. that was hey better than our spaceship ride. Than, <laughs> that's that's true. Um, All we had to do was read the Bible the whole time. Yeah, it's so boring. That was it. <laughs> oh god, maybe that's why we skipped it. Yeah, <laughs> chapter one. So um, and then what do you think about water? You were going on water okay. for a second. So it says in the quote here, uh "Bless the Maker and His water." So I think worm is the Maker yes and i think you mentioned that uh they uh they're not water creatures in the same way that like uh uh, like you and i would be that they like view it with a sense of divinity granted i don't think they're water creatures in any sense now you mean the fremen the fremen yeah yeah creature could just be interpreted a little openly right okay that's fair that's yeah yeah, yeah. they treat water very special very differently but it's not just a water creature in the sense it's a some sort of divinity it literally cannot have water right uh, yeah, It is uh, physically repelled by it Okay Like uh, if there was uh, If we had like a little Kitty little pool of water Yeah And uh, it somehow it brrt, uh, Somehow brrt, a worm was like there And we like immediately revealed it That worm would Boom He'd peace out to the other side Okay um, uh, Question for you You put a shield generator In a kitty pool of water <laughs> You uh, I think you break the universe Oh It's <laughs> like dividing by zero you, Yeah Yeah I think you just break <laughs> doom Oh man That's a good one yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, is I? that how you kill a really big worm? <laughs> you you like, just get, give it an aneurysm. Well, like, I mean, there is no big enough water. But like, yeah, if we could just like drop an ocean and throw a shield in it, that might get rid of all the worms, Mike. You might have found the cheap <laughs> way to get rid of them: a kiddie pool and a shield generator. Done.
1: <laughs> did it?
0: Um. It says and his water. I want to. So it's not the water the way I think we maybe interpret it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's. Water in relation to this worm and what it sort of uses as water, its source of life. Oh, yeah. Is it the spice? Is the spice his water? Ooh, that one I can't quite answer for you. That's uh, a good one. So, oh, it's the, like purely is the spice's water? Yeah. Yeah, just kind of like a one-to-one? I'd like it. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Um, The other thing I had, I, I think the spice is organic in nature. Um, So it, that definitely is. Because I told you we can't make synthetic spice. Right. So it's Organic in nature. It can't be replicated anywhere else. It can only happen here in this environment of Dune. Mm -hmm. The only other thing that is just like very unique and specific to Dune so far are the worms. Yeah, so far. So I feel like there is some sort of like cycle to the worms and the spice maybe. Where like if it's the water of the worm, maybe the spice is like like left over from like a dead worm or something. And then the worms recycle the water like the Fremen do. And they come up and they recover their water, so to speak. Uh, uh, And saying that spice is water, and spice is water to a worm. So you think that spice is just like like a dead worm? Yeah, and like in the same way that they like dehydrate the uh, the dead fremen. So what like makes the worm turn into the spice? Um, I don't know. Like, what's your? uh, Because so we have a death still, is what our fremen. Maybe when a worm gets to a certain age, it dies. Oh, okay. So uh, a beached whale. Well, (laughs) I know. (laughs) My favorite transition (laughs) in any conversation. (laughs) Well, a beached whale uh, obviously will die if it's not put back into the ocean. Mm -hmm. It just, it can't survive. It can't eat. Uh, It'll die. When it starts to decompose, it starts like building up a lot of gases inside its corpse. It does. Until eventually it'll just pop and explode. Do you know uh, that there's a person whose job it is to go take it Yeah. Have you seen that video of when that guy yeah, was Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. He stabs one. Uh You have to do it as early the, as possible the too. side it was like this whale is too big. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it he was fine, right? It would yeah. have killed him, Yeah, though. yeah, I know he was good. And like he cuts it and it, it basically is just like a comical movie <laughs> where like this train comes out of this whale of just debris and guts bursting and it like blows a hole out of something <laughs> right next to where this guy was standing <laughs> and it's just like oh my lord. So, yeah, uh, I, I can see. So you're thinking, like, it's just there yeah. But builds. Because yeah, I told you there was a spice blow. It builds, but it builds under the sand where the worms, like, probably die. Mm-hmm. So that pressure builds until eventually boom, it gets to the surface and boom. I like it. So that makes, you know. Uh, and it, oh, it's oh, enough, man. like, Mike, I can't poke a hole in this right now. Yeah. Like, with all the information you have, like, yeah, that, that's good. You just told me the uh, exploding whale is a great allegory. Right, right. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, um. Because analog for it because uh, if you equate like uh and I, this isn't the first time I've had this thought if you <laughs> equate like up no no of like a whale to the ocean the worms to the sand because yes. we've okay, equated yes. the we, sand to water in several right, different right. And metaphors we were talking here. about like um, like a a food source being yeah. similar to the whales like what they're eating yeah. within the sand exactly i th- yeah we did talk about whales to that extent right mm-hmm. so that that's my guess currently that that's cool i like that theory um but then i guess i don't know how do the worms come to even exist, like chicken egg, kind of thing? That's a qu- uh, Liat knows. Yeah, Liet- <laughs> Liet <laughs> it's a question for God. So. Uh, so I guess I'm no closer to understanding worms, and I'm no closer to understanding the truth about Liat. No, you are, you're marginally closer on worms. Okay. Hey, your worm logic is is good. It's not correct. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but like y- the whole point of worm theory, Mike, is you don't know all the stuff yet. <laughs> that's true. So like, true. I'm not, a, you can't get an A on this test. It's impossible. Uh, this is the, like the Kobayashi Maru. That's fair. Uh, but you're doing, that is really cool. I love this idea of like a de- the dead worm being like a whale underneath. And so essentially like a spice prospector is just looking for dead worms <laughs> out in the desert. And like, <laughs> there she blows. Ar- <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> oh my white <gasps> There could be one white worm out there. Well, uh, didn't you say there is like something called like the old man of the sea? Uh well, <laughs> old man of the the old man of the sea was the actual whale well, I think. Uh, the old man of the desert. <laughs> no, old man of the sea. That was a book by <laughs> by Hemingway. Hemingway. Anyway, <laughs> who... Never mind. <laughs> I believe that it's a very boring book. <laughs> no, but like the, yeah, the old man in the desert. Yeah, isn't that like like it's like, a, like uh, a big worm or like yeah, they're like mythical term yeah, for like yeah, what yeah. you say that big worm out there. Yeah, uh, that big shy halud doing his thing. So is is shy halud the name of one worm or just like all worms? Uh yeah, it's like they're all at. Okay, uh, that's, that's their god, kind of like all omniworm, I think. Gotcha, um, Omniworm. Yeah, <laughs> it's just your all-purpose worm. That's term. so cool. Oh man, I wonder how worms reproduce. Then do they just like the segments break off, maybe, and like worms are oh, there because we have each segment. Well, yeah, because each segment they... is alive and it's all right. How do you get another segment? How do you get another segment? Yeah, you just chop it. Well, no, I'm saying so. Like, do they? Is it like growing segments as it goes? Oh, I don't know. If, like, then do you break off? Do you just have, like... Maybe it gets so big that some of it breaks off. And that's how worms are? That's how you make a new worm? Oh, well, that would mean that they're all... It's almost like, uh... Uh... Oh, God, uh, what's the term for cell division when it just, like, constantly, like, splits into two? Oh, I'm not sure. Uh, but like maybe it's sort of like that where like each worm it started with one worm. I don't mm-hmm. know how it got to be one worm, but then it like started splitting, mm-hmm. and then it got big enough, and then it started splitting. It keeps it big going, enough started it keeps splitting. going, and that's how we get all. Yeah, worms. It's sort of an unsustainable system, though. It is unsustainable. Eventually, would we not just have all worms as this chimera? Yeah, I guess splitting. so. Because then, how do they? Oh, how,
1: how do? Oh. <sighs>
0: well so worm even die from uh, i don't even okay i think that brings us to an end of worm theory for the yeah. like uh your spec your first part awesome i had one last thing i wanted to talk about okay and it was the emperor and Ooh. the uh the possibility of eden on Arrakis. okay and how dr kind says this could be an eden if people weren't just you know trying to grub for the spice, spice. mhm uh space and guild will not set up a satellite whether it's because they can't or just no matter how much money you have or how far you reach, we will still be out of reach for that. I'm wondering, maybe it's an order by the Emperor, or maybe he's paid the Spacing Guild some exuberant amount of money. So, what would be his interest in that? If he's sort of come to the conclusion that like the spice and the worms are somehow related, and that one without the other wouldn't exist, I don't know if he could or not in that sense. But if he does come to that conclusion, he knows that uh, if that satellite's in place. If they're able to make this sort of like Eden-like paradise, maybe that'll disrupt the spice somehow. And there goes all of his money. Mm. Then it would be disruptive for the universe. Yeah. Ooh. You are you are on to some hot threads there. Yeah. Uh, some conspiracy here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, some good conspiracy stuff. We will actually watch, uh, we'll get a little elaboration on this uh, next chapter. Okay. Of the, I think the Eden kind of problem, and maybe uh, so Kinds is gonna stick around. I think keep that thought in mind in that theory, and we're gonna touch on that one at the end of the next chapter. Okay. I think of this, uh, this idea of the Dune being Eden, and each faction where they stand in that uh, mm-hmm. process, and who's preventing that change and why, and maybe right. how we'll phrase it. So okay, ultimately, I don't really know anything for sure on uh, Liat. I don't really know anything for sure on the worms. But you know what I do know for sure, Derek? What What is that? It's time for the Glossary Game! The one true thing we can count on every episode. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you have a... I need a strong recap uh, from last week. Yeah, okay. So last week's words, you tied it. We had 15-15. Okay. I think we were tied before at 14-14. But we kept it even again. Two words, Oil Lens and Mina. So do you remember Hmm. what Oil Lens was? We had a a little bit of a talk on this. Yeah, we had a ramble on this, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, and uh, uh, ultimately, we were talking about the same thing, but different ends of the spectrum. <laughs> I was talking about using it as a telescope. You were talking about using it as a microscope. Yeah, because it made more sense, like, if you're going to measure in microns, it, you probably would use it, like, for something very small. For sure, and then, like, the only time you see it used is used as, like, uh, binoculars. I yeah, guess, kind of thing. so... The- so, like, yeah, we were, we're talking about <laughs> <to> each other... <laughs> <laughs> Very much with the wine uh, of, like, the intricacies of using one micron. Right. <laughs> really not helpful to any um, But I know you was, remember what it is, but it's a pretty long description in here. But, like, I'm going to just get super precise uh, binoculars. You can adjust that lens by one micron, which is like, our big yeah. uh, cinching point for it. It's really made awesome. by uh, oil held in a static tension by some sort of enclosing force field, which I guess we know for sure is uh, a Holtzman. Right, a little suspensor kind of field. Yeah. yeah same one. And then what, you said the other one was a Minsa? Uh, Mina Mina and uh, that was the one that you missed do you remember I I, I do know (laughs) I missed him I'm I'm like right now I'm like I'm just thinking Columbus it was uh the season for testing Fremen youths who wished admittance to manhood Mina and so we might the season for the season for testing the Mina so it is it is some time of the year I guess I'm going to guess summer. Summer. <laughs> a Coming planet. up. <laughs> yeah. No. Actually, what season is it right now in Arrakis? I don't know. Uh, I think we're in a perpetual sl- winter. <laughs> 30 years of summer right now. <laughs> it's something. This week's words. I uh, now I kind of wish I had used, uh, was it uh, Erg? for The the Great Desert? Yeah. Uh, um, well, I mean, even though we would have, like, dissected it in the beginning. I guess, I guess we would. I guess I wish I'd used it earlier. A little, yeah, a little. But on. I, I d- wouldn't have known. I have got a couple here. I think you maybe maybe you'll get one, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to take the lead on this. Okay, okay. Um, I'm also starting to run out of uh, plausible words I can use in the glossary game, so I'm going to be doing some stretching here. I won't use anything too ridiculous. Like, what's the third planet from the blah 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 system? Ooh, I might even be able to get that one. <laughs> <laughs> We've covered a lot of third planets. It felt like on yeah, random yeah. stars. What do we have. Uh, there's some weird ones out there, but uh, okay. First one is placenta. Plenicenta. Plenicenta. P-L-E-N-I-S-C-E-N-T-A. Um, okay, so that sounds like a, like a scientific kind of word. Could you give me a hint? And I'm thinking this is like, a, kind of sounds like a, like a, a word that is um, representative of like a collection of things or like a macro grouping. I, I would definitely not on that track. I just want, again, after uh, say hi. I want to make sure I'm spelling this correctly for you. <laughs> every, every one, yeah. Every letter counts. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, spelled correctly, a uh, hint. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a hint that won't give too much away.
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: I'm like, obviously, I'm pulling like plant or like the planet out of there. If it's like plant or planet, uh, planet Sinta. Um, is, or do, you have, do you have any kind of, any hint? Uh, you're on the right track. Okay, I'm thinking it is like uh, is an ecological term. Yeah. Okay, I'll let that. You can draw the line there. Or ecological. Then. Uh, I guess in what in what term? Like, what sense are you sort of uh, alluding well, to? What I'm kind of building up for is like, um, if it is sort of representative of like like a biome or just like uh, the plants and stuff in an area. Yeah, maybe just sort of like a a list of like the life forms or something. Um, if not in a planet, but like uh. Within a wide scape, or the varietals that would kind of be there—that's that's all I can really kind of get right, to. Right, right. I think I don't know what to make of like Senta. Yeah, Senta, I think is sort of like the uh, the big hint for it. Mm-hmm. You guys like that's a really I, good guess. I mean, what so. I what I think of is like placenta. Yeah, the, when like, I first like skimmed the glossy, that's what I thought to him like. Really? Does that need to be in the glossary? Is there any connection to that? No, not okay. at all. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I kind of end up with like a plant thing uh, where I'm thinking it's sort of like a biome or an association of plants in an area that are like interrelated. Okay. And have like relationships between them. Uh, sort of like that creosote bush and the other uh, plants. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, okay, I like it. Sort of like uh, some sort of... It's, that's what I'm logging Some Some like interlocking yeah. uh, ecological relationship within like a biome. All right. Um... So you were on the right track. It was just it's a little bit more specific though. I I, bet, I But you're on the so. right track with plants. Okay. <laughs> um now I know how much you love flowers, Derek. I love flowers. <laughs> this, is, this is my two pile flower? No. There's no flower on two pile. There is a flower on, on two, two poly. poly. <laughs> yeah. Um so it is an exotic green bloom of a cause noted for its sweet aroma. Ah, okay, hence so the it's the scent. So it's one specific plant. It's one specific okay. flower. Is that maybe like derivative of an actual plant name? Is that what I'm getting confused with? Then maybe. Oh, maybe I actually I didn't look up uh, where this word comes from because I I legit just hey, thought that's it was made always up. what next week's for. That's, you do a little, oh, a little you backlog. Know, for me. You know what though I've. Uh, we have a habit of not following up on that all that often. That's what next week's for. <laughs> okay, let me let me write down a note. Sure. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, that just seems reasonable for something you can build off of it and that sounds familiar though to me too and I wonder what if there's like a senta kind of plant or something maybe but I think the senta comes from the fact that it has a, a very sweet aroma like that's what you recognize from it right right and I'm, well I'm wondering if like another plant is using it for the same reason oh like, if that's like a root like, like a, a senta like family Wendelland root kind of thing yeah. yeah yeah but that that is really cool and of course it's from a cause. yeah I, there's only like three planets with plants <laughs> on them um. <laughs> the cause is the big one but you yeah, know I thought that was interesting so that's one for me I don't feel bad about losing that no, one. That was, no that you did really I was actually very Normal, impressed with That like one. at least when I'm rationalizing them out I have nothing to grab on and I'm <laughs> that's just true like lost at sea I that, was, that I felt like there was some firm land there. I, it was hard to come up with a, a clue for that one because it was a uh, it's, it's a pretty scented, specific scented plant yeah scented, green scented plant on a cause yeah like it's green. Oh, <laughs> that, you would have confused me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, and th- was that the word you think I would have got? Uh, no, that was the one th- I definitely thought I was going to fool you on. Okay, but you Ooh, got you got dangerously okay. close. Yeah, dangerously close. <laughs> no. Uh, Second word. Sarfa. Coming in. Sarfa. Sarfa. S A R F A. God. Sarfa. It's not clicking. Uh, give me a clue. It's an act. Okay. An act one does, but I want you to tell me what the act. is 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 all right so sarfa it's an act it seems fremen to me that's what i kind of gathered as well yeah uh it doesn't really like the first thing i would go to um something like that it sounds very harsh and military like it makes me lean like Sardakar or fremen oh just, just that word uh yeah yeah like, it seems something like harsh and like a test almost um But if it's something you could do, the Fremen make it, uh, oh, they throw a wrench into all things. And it could be really benign or really militarized. (laughs) It's sort of like, we could be cooking dinner. We could be sacrificing the dead so we live next week. (laughs) Oh, my Uh, Who knows? Oh, Sarfa. What other S words have we really had? I I don't think I know. I know anything to build this off of. Um, We had Surat. Yeah, but none of them, like, with an S-A-R. Like, uh, Oh, yeah. That, like, oh, with, nothing... like, the root, you mean? Yeah, like, oh, okay. if there's any word I could pull out of it that I rem- I'm not reminded <sighs> of anything in this. Um, so I think I'm going to kind of go with Sarfa would be, it's an act that you take. Is it going to be, like, uh, I want to say, like, tending to somebody or... Maybe like educating in some manner. Some some way like making somebody better or helping. that well, I mean maybe, maybe depending on where you uh where you sit in theology, but <laughs> in, in this definition, it is the act of turning away from God. Oh, wow. Not even close. <laughs> no, not at all. Unless that God is a worm. In oh! which case I've just saved your we, life. We just ran.
1: <laughs> gently. So,
0: <laughs> gently. The act of turning away from God. Yeah. Oh, that's deep. Interesting. I wonder where that one is used. Yeah, I'm curious as well. Sarfa, like we're, we're starting to see them appear in the book now. All of them do. Yeah. yeah. So uh, well, no, obvious. No. Well, so like uh, an exception though is uh, one of them only shows up in the appendices. Uh, which oh, is, what? Yeah. yeah glossary good- word for the appendices. Oh. Uh, after this, uh, after this book's done, I'm going to go through the appendices and check those out. Uh, someone told me not to because there were. Someone said there are spoilers in it. So I've been trying to hold back on them. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of a matter of like how you want to approach the book. Okay. I I think it's sort of a more modern take that we're like this idea of spoilers being so intently like negative to people and that they think they they see everything that comes up in a book as like a spoiler, whereas like some things you're just going to come across. Right. And for me, it's more of like how you put the whole picture together that matters. But like, yeah, if you look in the back, you're going to learn that some things are possible. And maybe that's a little disenchanting if you didn't entirely know that. But it's also like, it's, it's I can't tell you one way to approach this book. Okay. Um, you know, because everybody comes at it from a different... Some true. people have seen the movie and then go into the book. That's and true. So- Obviously for them, some things are not a mystery. My, mine is a very slow approach on this book. I mean, it's going to take me like a year to finish this book, unfortunately. Right. and But you come out into it with a, a lot less of the pre-material. I think it was only my exposure to you in some light pop culture. That's true. Um, but you haven't sat down and like watched the movies the whole way through. That's so true. Like, the really obvious things that are like in pop culture known are still going to be kind of new to you that mm. otherwise might not be for some people. So I, I just think it's a weird uh, dichotomy to drag down and that... I, I would encourage people to, if you're confused, if you need an answer, like go to the back and check them out. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know like if you really if any detail is going to ruin it for you then I guess avoid it but there is like also just a lot of good context information that makes it easier to read the book right Uh, and that's like one of the big things for Dune is people just can't get through the beginning of the book (laughs) where it it, it beats them up there's a lot going on like it does feel a little unforgiving and if spoilers are the only thing stopping you from like understanding I think that is like maybe you got to just get past that right like that's not the point of this book necessarily Uh, well certainly to each their own why don't you scatter it out let me know if it's safe for me oh that's certainly not oh what (laughs) for you and the, what we're doing. Oh, okay. A little different. Like you're relying on me to like <laughs> so, fill in blanks. Like, I'm saying, like, that was a mess. That's a PSA for all of our listeners <laughs> for me. You're just like, "No, no, no, Mike. No. No. Don't be an idiot. Of course well, not." Well, the whole point for you is that you need to ask questions <laughs> yeah, yeah, from the point of not having it spoiled. And like, so that is a little different. It just felt like, "Man, that was a really good. you know, I think you I'm like going to check My that out yeah. now." And then you're like, "No. You just it, shut me down. Mike, I was talking to the audience. I'm talking <laughs> to you. Sit down. You are Mike." <laughs> <laughs> The listener can do whatever they want. <laughs> you are Mike. God damn. You make me play your glossary <laughs> game. I make you skip the appendices. That's it. That We're done. That's, That's it. it. What uh, do we got looking forward to next week? Oh Well, uh, next week, Mike, is going to be some interesting stuff. Because I don't know about you. I'm starving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've not eaten at all. While <laughs> we're on here? Yeah. Both. Um, <laughs> so we're going to sit down for a formal dinner. And, oh, Paul uh, had breakfast. What's that? Paul had breakfast. Wasn't breakfast sent in for him? Oh, did he get breakfast? Yeah. I don't really remember that. Yeah, a servant came in and brought some food, right? Or, no, either a servant or his dad. Someone brought Whoa, food. Whoa, definitely not his dad. dad it was, was busy. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I can see him eating. Yeah. Uh, I can <laughs> see him <laughs>
1: eating. You know?
0: Maybe he palmed it. Um, <laughs> this kid doesn't sleep. He doesn't eat. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to get a great new Dune joke of uh, a smuggler, Ooh. a fremen, and a Harkonnen agent <laughs> walked into the great hall. <laughs> oh! They're all going to be at dinner, Mike. <gasps> uh, oh, is it the dinner scene? Yeah, it's my favorite one. It's the dinner scene. Oh, we're oh fun- so we're going to do some fast forwarding back to Air King. Yeah, yeah. We're going to uh, hop, skip, and a jump. Or we're going to get home right quick. Gotcha. And uh, pretend none of this day happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we're just going to pretend it's all hunky-dory. And then I think we're going to get answers to some of the most pressing questions in the story thus far. Like, what happened to that carry-all? Was Mapes able to get El Muerte and the old Duke on the Wall? (laughs)
1: We'll find out for we're sure. We're going to find just out. a <laughs>
0: <laughs> Or a little mate still up there. <laughs> Some claw marks are like skidding down. Uh, so I I went in. I hit control F. I put in "bowl" And I was like, how many times am I going to see? Because uh, oh, oh, I was worried. It's like his next chapter, his last uh, oh. entry into the book. Should we send him off? No. Oh <laughs> <laughs> No, we should not, Mike, because we're not done just yet. <laughs> I love this book so much. <laughs> so so are you just going to look you say every time you read this book you look at it through another character's perspective. Is time? <laughs> is it, yes. Yes. perspective the fact that i just realized that the bowl shows up one two like four times i mm-hmm. think we get four bowls in this book oh uh, my gosh I, i'm really looking forward to the last time because i forgot all about it all right uh it's gonna be great so uh that's gonna be a week off then mike oh my goodness so, until we get then if you guys have a question for us you know wine we can afford. Yeah, let us know. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Spice World Pod. You can always reach us by email at uh, SpiceWorldPod at gmail.com. And you can also find all of our episodes as well as little show notes on our website, SpiceWorldPod.com. Well, And Mike, <sighs> I'll be looking forward to next week. Yeah, I know. Me too. Until then, the, the spice, spice must flow. flow. You want me to cut from uh, the 14 episode or leave that? Um, I, don't, I mean, I definitely I forgot all about it. So, yeah, I mean, th- listening back, I listened to a little bit of it. I realized like, man, I don't really remember having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's why we don't do that. Yep. That's why that's what the second bottle does. It's yeah. not that it's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember any of it. <laughs>